All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. I have my main man right here, Michael Loftus. How are you, Mike? How's everything I'm going? I'm good. Now that I'm here, I'm good. I, I made it through the, the Long Island traffic, the series of one-way streets, the impossible to turn around, the every light last about an hour and 37 minutes. I have to tell, I made it. I have to tell you something. So I've been to LA around three times. Okay. And you hear all the time, like, LA traffic is the worst. The freeways are the worst. Yes. I don't know. I go there. I love it. Got eight lanes. It feels like I'm cruising in and out of everything. Maybe it's just the times because I'm not at work. I'm not. I'm not at rush hour. Obviously, I'm there. There is no rush hour in L.A. Here's what's happened. You got lucky three times. You got lucky <laughs> three times. It is the worst out there. It really is. And you can't because of the. Uh, oh, this is exciting. This is good radio. We're talking about <laughs> because of the landscape. And, the, and you can't make the freeways any wider. And because of, there's no central, like New York, you gotta get into Manhattan. So right, everybody is like, they're getting on trains, everybody's heading in the same direction. In LA, the way they have it zoned, you might live in Beverly Hills and you gotta get to Santa Monica. People in Santa Monica gotta get uh, to downtown LA. People in downtown LA, uh, they gotta get to Sherman Oaks. People have to get to Sony Studio. It's just like every, morning it's like someone kicked over an anthill there's it's it's just every direction because there was there was uh the the government came in and there's this huge freeway the 405 and they were gonna oh we're gonna make it wider we're gonna make it wider okay it's not gonna change anything and there was a big uh group of people who's like you should do the thing where it's like it's a shared lane like in the morning it's an extra lane going that way and in the evening it's an extra lane coming back this way of course they didn't do that it, the, the whole project spent i think they it was like uh it ended up being like three like 300 million dollars for a, a half a mile and it did nothing it did nothing to change traffic it's just there's more people in the parking lot that was the 405 <laughs> looking at each other in the morning pissed off can you believe this can you believe it? so a couple of years of construction it did nothing to alleviate the problem it's done those those freeways are tapped out and then here you are you come to long island and you're thinking oh so i don't have to worry about traffic right it's driving you it's driving your bananas out there it's, it's not <laughs> it's not so many cars on the road out here it's like who designed them it's like, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a series of one-way streets with no way to turn around. Oh, and then make sure make sure the GPS lady pulls tells him his destination is in the 7-Eleven. But it's not! <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I, I love it. it. And I have to tell I you something. I love it out here in I, Long Island. I have to tell you something. So I didn't know too much about you. I saw you on Fox a couple of times, saw you on Tucker a couple sure. of times, but I wasn't too much of um, my knowledge of you. And then we met because of Joe the Box, the right. first warehouse. In Joe the Box. Is there, is there a better guy than Joe the Box? There is not. A is there patriot, a, right? Patriot, a quality nickname, a location that <laughs> delivers. Quality nickname. Right? You gotta have a quality like, nickname. Why do they call him Joe the Box? Then you go in, you're like, oh, he is Joe the Box. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's fantastic. Fantastic. That America First Warehouse. Yes. It's like, I feel like. It's a museum. It's more than that. It's a museum, but it's also a clubhouse. Yes. It's like, this is what I would do. 
Yeah. Were I a man of means, that's what I would do. Yes. I'm like, that whole wall should be American flag. We're going to need some pinball machines over yeah. there. Get me a 60-foot <laughs> American flag. Well, I don't know where you get. Just find it. And we're going to put it right there. And there right? it is. And then on the other wall, I need like the backdrop from a Broadway show. <laughs> and I want this guy that paints uh, oh. Trump and yeah. this, a Marlon Brando. It it's really a lot is, of fun. It really is fantastic. But what I wanted to say is, so I don't know what to expect. Here's Michael Loftus, right? right? And I, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting there saying to myself, "Is this guy going to be funny? Is this you know?" That's, a, that's a horrible feeling, right? Yeah, it's me, a horrible. You're it's at a, a fundraiser. You're like, "Oh, here we go." But here's the thing, too. So <laughs> I I dabbled in stand up comedy. I told you that I I used to do the improv over at the UCB Upright Citizens Brigade. Sure. So I've seen a lot now, and, and I love comedy. I who doesn't love to laugh? Exactly. And then here you are, and I get nervous <laughs> for people. Me too. I get nervous because yes. I know about. Me bombing all the time when I went up. It was very, it's very, first of all, I, I commend anybody that does it because people don't realize how difficult it is to get up there and actually say, all right, you ready? I'm going to make you laugh. Because yes. usually it's in, you know, you're the funny guy, but it's off the cuff. But when you have to sit there and say, all right, everyone, gather around because I got some jokes to tell. <laughs> right? Get, yes. Yeah. That, well, that's the number one fear that people have is public speaking. Just speaking in public, let alone speaking with, oh, the end result is you're going to laugh. Yeah, you're going to so, laugh. So I don't know. Thank goodness I don't have that. Uh, I, I don't have that. That gene issue. or whatever. That, yeah. But I'll tell you right now, you crushed it. It you was fun, man. Killed it. It was fun. And I sat there. That joke you did with Joe Biden in the pinky toe. Ah. Uh, that was thing. <laughs> that was. I'm telling you, that was genius. It was. It was unbelievable. How do? What do you do to when you're creating? What is your method of getting? I mean, are you in the car and you're writing down, and you're on your iPhone? Do you go to just a special place to? to write down material and say, all right, I'm going to smoke a joint or I'm going to have a drink or I'm just going to relax and I'm going to start to write. What is the method for you? It's really weird, man, because I've written on uh, situation comedies and a bunch of different TV shows. And for that process, you sit in a room and you sit down and you really, you think and you concentrate what would happen in this scenario and yada, yada. But when it comes to stand-up, it's a completely different, like, it's always something out of real life and then I kind of work it out on stage. I'll take a, a notebook up with me, you know, like, oh, I want to make sure that I mention this. And I'll just have like an idea of something and then just kind of uh, work it out as I go. It's really, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it, it's weird. Everybody has their own process. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, Lewis Black. I don't know who he is. Lewis Black, stand-up comic. He used to be on The Daily Show all the time. And he did, that was a very oh, yeah, frustrated guy. Super funny dude. Uh, he interviewed George Carlin, and Carlin, you know, that's the grand high poobah of stand-up. Yeah. He's, you Better know, than he's, Seinfeld? Uh, Carlin? It, yeah, well, you put them it's side apple, by side. It's, it's side by side. It's apples and oranges. Okay. But right now, Carlin's in the lead because of just all of his one-hour specials. It's just unbelievable. so prolific. But, like, Carlin would have a, a, a legal pad. George Carlin would sit down, and he would write, and, like, Louis Black was interviewing him for, like, the history of stand-up or whatever, and Carlin was like, well, how do you write? You know, what do you, what's your process? And Louis Black is like, I have an idea and I work it out on stage. And Carlin was like, that's gotta be great, man. I wish I could do that. And Louis Black is like, I wish I could do what you do. I, I love it. I've tried. I've tried to like sit down and studiously write 
comedy for myself, it's oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And it's plus, the worst. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Plus, I I have ADD. I feel like, and I'll sit down. I'll write. Next thing you know, I'm in the refrigerator. I get up. I stand <laughs> up. I do this. I do that. I want to talk to you though because I want to talk a little bit about where it all began. Sure. Now I know because, you know, people don't really know the whole story of Michael Loftus. They see you on TV giving you political, you know, theories and and everything and they put you on there. But to really, you know, dig down deep with you, you went to Ohio State. You're from Ohio. Yeah. Grew and up gra- in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, buddy. And you didn't graduate, but you attended Ohio State University. Yeah. Why didn't you graduate? Because there was... here. Here's what happened. So... um Long story short, I, I, I knew I wanted to be a performer. I was in a like a, a band in high school, and we were doing gigs. We like the Ohio State University had this row of bars, you know, High Street, just like, and every weekend it was just packed, absolutely. And my friends and I, uh, when we were like 15, 16 years old, we started this this band, and we just went to every bar. And we had our little demo tape, our little cassette tape. We recorded our <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> and yeah. we started at one end. We went to every bar, and these guys all looked at us like we were crazy. You know, we were like, we're in a band. We want to be. And the 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 final place, like, like out of a movie, the final place we went to, the dude who managed the place just couldn't believe we had the balls to ask for a, a, a gig. And he listened. He's like, yeah, you guys are all right. So they had a, a, a bar in the basement, like, you know, just reeked of of piss and stale beer and blah 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 so i was i knew i loved performing like the band thing was just fantastic just you got up on stage and it was it was like it, that well, was this it. is it like yep, yep this is this, yep, is, this it. is it it's a great feeling because there's people and what you're 15 years old you said yeah i mean there's people that are you know 50 60 and they still don't have that feeling and still have no idea it's what they want to do fear. it's all fear like i never would have done any of this if it hadn't been for my my friend uh chris Chris Allwine. The guy just had confidence and no fear. He was the dude who was like, let's go down. We'll just go into our... And so he was like, we should do... We should be in the play at school. I'm like, what? And he's like, we should be in the play, man. It'll be so much fun. And I'm like, no, those guys are weird. And like this super nerdy dude, like the geekiest, nerdiest dude who ever walked the face of the planet was in the the, 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 the school play, like my, my freshman year in high school. And he went from zero to hero and a and heartbeat dude and i'm like <laughs> that's the recipe right there so the next time they did a play me and my buddy chris and i'm like oh my god i'm getting girls it's awesome it's fantastic then we were doing the band and then just like uh like a tsunami of pain uh the band fell apart in for reasons that had nothing to do with you know the guys in the band but it just all went to and i'm like i know i want to perform i know i want to do this and acting the whole nine and uh my dad was like so you should go to college and study that and i'm like that, that sounds great and he's like all right you're on your own and then and then <laughs> so what- i had to pay my i was paying my own way i was working jobs going to ohio state i'm like learning how to act you know in theater and blah 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 blah, blah. the meisner then, technique <laughs> whatever and then, it is and then you're looking around and you're like i've done more than these people and like 
Oh, just what, go wait, do it. Wait, like, why am I wasting money studying when I could just just go do it and learning the craft? Yeah. And is that where you then you and six others and I guess that guy that you just said, Chris, what's his name? No, uh, Chris. Uh, Chris went bye bye. There was oh, a Chris. there was a big falling. The story of the band is like a podcast in its own. So, okay, we can't yeah, go yeah. there. But then you start a troupe. You start a comedy troupe, right? I started doing stand up. You started doing stand up. Yeah, I'm like I got out. I got out of uh, college. I'm like that's a waste of money. Started doing like. Uh, some other like community theater stuff, which was a whole, uh, and then I was, I'm waiting tables. And then a friend of mine had to review. She worked for the local like neighborhood newspaper. She was going to review this amateur night at this comedy club. She's like, you should come out with me. And I'm like, oof. Cause I'm like you, I get embarrassed for people. Yeah. Like, I, I, and that's from being on stage. You see somebody, that's it. you yeah. see somebody who forgets his lines or they fall or they, it's just, I don't like it. I got too much empathy. I feel bad for that. I do this. I turn off a TV show when yes. I know something's about to happen and that's a recorded show <laughs> and it's set to do that. I can't even handle myself. Yeah. So you can imagine me when it's live and I'm like, oh, wait a second. This is not going to be good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I see that. I, I understand what you're saying. So you, so here you are, you're doing comedy, yeah. right? But you also did some improv. Here's what happened. So I go out with this girl to review the amateur night. And I'm like, okay, because she doesn't want to go by herself. I get it. So I'll be her, I'll be her muscle. <laughs> These people have to go on stage. They each get like two and a half minutes, three minutes. They have to fill three minutes with something. They were horrible. Everyone was horrible. But somebody won, and they won $300. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I have to work my ass off to get 300 bucks. Wait, I'm like, sign me up. And I thought it would be so easy. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'll just go up there and be funny. Dude, I went up the next week and ate it hard. Oh, like, I could imagine. Ate, invited all my friends out. The audience was <laughs> packed. All my buddies had beers. Like The cheer, they're like, please welcome Michael Loftus. Yeah! The place goes nuts. And I'm just like... Like I in I get up there and I blank I have nothing to talk about so I'm just trying to improvise and it's like high energy flop sweat coming and it was horrible. Oh, I can imagine. It was embarrassing for me, embarrassing for everybody involved. But there was a girl in the audience who had just started an improvisational comedy group, and she goes, "Okay, so that was rough, but like the improvisation stuff that you were trying to do, I think you might want to try that. That would be good." And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. So hung, started hanging out with her and her people. And like the next week I went back up because I was so mad at myself. The next week I signed up for the amateur contest and I'm like, I'm going to have jokes. I'm going to have jokes. I'm going to do bang, 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 bang. So like the next week I won the contest and then That's I'm great. doing improv with the group. And that was just so much fun. And how, so you do when you're doing this improv though, right? You have these relationships that you start having. I saw that, you know, I, I, I saw that you were doing shows at Ruby Tuesdays, right? The original Ruby Tuesdays. The original? Check, I didn't know that. Check this out. So yeah, in Springfield, Ohio. In Springfield, Ohio is the original Ruby Tuesdays. And there was this ginormous hotel built in like the, like the 1890s or something. They knocked down the hotel, but they saved the lobby and the bar. And so it's this really, really interesting, wild place where you go in and it's like this giant lobby bar, but there's no hotel there. And so like the the fixtures were really odd. That's where that whole thing, like, you know how TGI Fridays is decorated with that funky kind of, there's old stuff, but there's new stuff. Yeah, 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 I used to work there, yeah, I know. I used to so that was, that was this, this place, Ruby Tuesdays, and for real, in Springfield, Ohio. 
and uh, they had comedy there, and they had another Ruby Tuesdays. This husband and wife, they opened up another one uh, on the campus of Ohio State, and someone came to them and go said, this is a great idea. We want to franchise this. And they go, no, no, thank you. It's just the two locations, just the two locations. Imagine that, and now here all of a sudden. Because the guy, the guy went to Ohio State, and so then rumors started spreading. This dude has opened up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he paid them, he paid them off, because he got busted, and he was never allowed to open up. He wasn't supposed to be like east of the Mississippi. Are you serious? I didn't yeah. know anything about oh, that. Oh yeah, because the dude went to Ohio State. He used to party <laughs> at Ruby Tuesdays. So I'm like, I'm gonna open up these everywhere. So he finally got busted for crossing the uh, Mississippi, and they got paid. How they got paid? Oh, I'm sure. And then you don't have to worry about nothing for the rest. <laughs> right, of Right, they were good. That's it. That's but that it. was great, dude. We oh Ruby How Tuesdays. How were you though? How were you though? Like, were you are you you know back in your college days? Those days that we're talking about. Were you a drinker? Were you smoking pot? Were you sniffing coke? Oh, dude, what were I you was. Doing? I was doing i was drinking like you trying a, to bang like all the girls fish. in the troop like you know, what no you no that was a buddy of mine that okay. was a, my buddy okay, okay. my buddy who was also like a stand-up and in the improv group he was go he was like he was hitting on everything that moved and i always had this philosophy and you learn you know you know, don't crap where you eat. It's just you don't want that tension. You know? I know. I, I figured that out. I learned that the hard way Exa a couple of times. Yup. That's how most of these lessons yeah. come around. You start banging somebody you work with, and then it goes south, and then work is a drag, and then you got to quit. Yeah. But you, yeah. Well, then you go to the gym with them. You got to now. I got to change. You know, I've been going to this gym for five years. Now I got to go to a new gym. Right. And everything. The it, whole it ruins traffic. Everything. Yes. Yes. It ruins so it's everything. easier just to not do it. So, the improv group uh, was great. So I'm I'm doing stand up. Things are going well. So like half my year, you know, I'm out doing stand up and rising through the ranks of, you know, you know, from the opener to the feature act. And then I'm also going out on the road with the improv group. And we were smart enough where we wrote some songs. We wrote, we had some uh, Gilligan's Island. Dude, we had Gilligan's a, Island. You were Gilligan. Didn't you play Gilligan in, we had, in the skit that you did? We had a thing that where we did uh, our guitarist, great musician, realized that you could do uh, David Bowie's Space Oddity. Yeah. But you could sing the lyrics to Gilligan's Island to it. So we did like a David Bowie Gilligan's Island. This, yeah. <laughs> You have. have I don't want to sing it because I don't want to get in trouble for copyright issues. I want to. Hear, I want. I was gonna say because I, I want to hear you, Gilligan. Did you? Did you have to like really? No, it was all Bowie. It was all, all Bowie yeah. and Gilligan. Sit right back and you'll hear a tale. Doom, 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 doom. A tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. It was hilarious. I love it. I love that. And kind that's of what stuff. the comedy club owners dug about us. Is like because if you if you go straight improv, and your every skit, oh, you, it's that... like you could fail, and the audience is like, eh, it was okay. But we had skits. We had prepared bits. Yeah, we you had, have to do that. We because, had a closing song because you know. Then you get because once you start crafting that, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Once you start getting those crafted skits, you know those are guaranteed laughter. Oh yeah. So the other ones, especially with the with the improv, if you get a bad suggestion, meaning like when somebody says, "Okay, can we get a suggestion from the crowd?" Yeah. And it's always sex. Mm -hmm. It's always the same, you know, the same thing, and then it just gets monotonous or whatever. And then it's also a crapshoot. You don't know because again, it's improv. Mm -hmm. So I read that that you guys did that. You did half of this. Half of the show was right scripted. Yeah. yeah. And the other, I thought that was genius of you guys. 
it was a uh, it was a, it was a because I was doing stand up. I, I knew you need you need a closing bit, right? You need something that's just a definitive showstopper, boom. And then if you're gonna take risks and do like real improv, okay, so that was you know that was all right. That was pretty good. That's the, that's the magic of improv. Even if it's pretty good, it's pretty great because you're make you're making it up in front of the audience. But then after that. Let's give the audience a break, and we'll do a prepared song. We'll do a prepared skit. Yeah, and so it was a nice, a nice. How, how old were you around that time? We were I was like, uh, thirteen years old. No, I was uh, <laughs> early twenties. Early twenties. Yeah. So here you are. You're in Ohio now. Yeah. Right, but you're not in New York, and you're not in L.A. No. What are you thinking to yourself? Are you sitting there saying, "I got something going. I got something cooking here. I have these dreams." Like, did you go to bed at night and you're thinking, "I'm going to perform at Madison Square Garden," or "I'm going to perform," you know, at the, you know, at the theater in L.A. Whatever it is, the the, the best theater is there. What was going through? You know, was this a job for you? Was this? The oh, ultimate dude, thing? it was. It, this was this was the job, and we were we were touring around. I mean, you were uh, in Tennessee, right? You used to go to Tennessee. We'd go, we'd go as far down as Florida. We'd go as far west as like Boise, Idaho. We'd do college gigs in New York. You know, never really much in New York City. I did some stand up in the city, and then I I started. I, I, I started getting the itch, you know, like you're do, you're doing your taxes, you're sitting back, and you're like, life is pretty good, life is pretty good, and I'm I could just feel it. I'm at a crossroads. I'm like, I either gotta step up to the plate, you know, and take a big swing at New York or L.A. Can I play with the big boys? And if I don't take that swing, if I don't, I'll I'll regret it. And I'll just be an angry, angry dude. You'll see those comics out there. You don't. You probably don't get it here uh, on Long Island as much, and in New York as much. But there's dudes in the Midwest. They never, they never took that swing. You got to take that leap of faith. You have crazy. to do it because this is the big leagues. It's New York and L.A. It's nuts, man. Who are you? Th- you know, when when you would sit back and you would think about comics that you wanted to maybe imitate or a career path that you wanted to you know that you were envious of not saying that you were jealous of it but envious of who was it at those times who were you used to think about and say i gotta get to that place i gotta get to where this guy is well i mean looking at performers and it's it's like i i want to be not like that person but the career path like i want to have a career like this guy i was always i'll use the word jealous for lack of a better term but like Pryor's career, uh, Steve Martin's career. That dude can just, he just picks and chooses. Yeah. I mean, like that's, oh, I think I'm gonna write a book. It takes a year, he writes a book. I think I'm gonna write a Broadway show. Oh, I think I'm gonna do a movie. And when he wants to dabble and stand up and do that again, he can. Like every avenue is open for him. Yeah, that was, he had a great- But then I'm also fiercely jealous of uh, dudes like Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Yeah, like, like I, I yes. really am like a really solid dude and he was coming up I remember I was working this club in Tampa uh, side splitters in Tampa great little club cool owner the staff you know yada yada from and Ohio I, to Tampa at oh, side. yeah, 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 dude, yeah, you, yeah. You, you would try to you would try to work it out so you're working down in Florida in the winter and then you'd swing that's back good day. Right? absolutely but this dude Bobby Bobby Jewell the guy that owned uh, uh, side splitters I think he still does He's like, yeah, there's this, he goes, have you heard of this Larry the Cable guy? And I'm like, no. He's like, dude, I could have him in here every weekend. He packs the place out. And I'm like, so that was the first time that that guy was on my radar. 
And it was wild because you're out there, you're hustling, you know, you're a road dog, and all of a sudden you just like, just like this Larry the Cable guy just blew up. There's another dude, Rodney Carrington. I don't know if you've ever heard of Rodney. No, I haven't. He had his own show on ABC for a long time. Uh, for two seasons, he did it. But like Larry the Cable Guy does whatever he wants. Yes, he's got he's he's he does huge concerts. He's got a ton of money. How he, did you how did you deal with that though? You know, when I was doing comedy and I was trying to do this whole acting thing, I would go into Manhattan every night, every mm -hmm. day, doing these you know um, auditions. I, one of the things that was faulty for me, and I want to ask you if you go through this, was something that was, you know, that I had a character flaw in was I used to get very jealous of people when they would go up and they would kill it. And I'm yeah. waiting and I'm about to go on. And it was almost, you know, it's a terrible thing that I used to do. And I, it took a, lo a lot out of me to really work on myself to get out of it and actually want somebody to be doing well and have that type of energy. Yeah. But it was it was difficult, especially at a younger age, when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21. It was, you know, I would get jealous that you would see these people like Larry the Cable Guy and you're sitting there like, this guy's through the roof and here I am. And did that ever happen with you? And if so, Absolutely. How did you deal Absolutely. with it? Absolutely. How do you deal you with that? You internalize it. Because there's a thing and it's it's... I guess I got lucky, and then a friend of mine gave me some great advice. What is years it? Let ago. me hear it. Don't count other people's money. That's that's perfect. You're right here's, there. Here's the other one. <laughs> this is for your list. That's a good one. That's a good one, right don't, there. Don't Queen. count other people's money, and don't have arguments with people who aren't in the room. Because you'll be driving home from a gig. How's that, <laughs> son of a bitch? <laughs> and you're like having a fight with the guy. Right? Oh, you suck! Get her done! I got a better. And it's just, it's just a waste of time. And it's just, it's just inward, internalized. And like, I would watch performers. And I'm not going to name names, but like, I'm like, okay, that guy's pretty good. He's pretty. I can see why they're laughing. And that's the sad part. Like once you're, once you've done stand up and all, you've seen behind the curtain. Yeah. You know what's going on. Like he's not. <laughs> But then they have a bit, they have a thing that they do, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. So then, do you want to write your own bit like that, in the spirit of that, or is it a, uh, I remember, here's how old I am. Doing stand-up, uh, this kid called Carrot Top. Oh, of course, I'm, I'm 47, so I'm, I'm close he's, to you. He's coming up, and everybody it, everybody and their mother's making fun of him. All my stand-up comedy buddies are like, oh, this guy, Bing, Carrot Top, and I had never seen him. And I'm like, I'm not gonna make fun, I'm not gonna rail on someone I've never seen. My phone rings, and it's this college agent. He goes, hey, do you wanna work a couple, a little college run with uh, Scott, Thompson or whatever the heck his name is, Carrot Top. I'm like, yeah, you know what I do, I do. So we did a little run in like Southern Ohio and Indiana together. It was the best and I learned so much from that dude. Why? His act, it's like we were talking about the improv group. Okay, you got experiment and then you got this boom. His closer, dude, his closer was insane. I think he's still he's still doing it in Vegas. The lights go down. He had a buddy who traveled with him. The lights would go down, they would flicker, and then this song would come on and he would do impressions of all these rock stars. And it was just one after the other after the other. You're like, boo, 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 yeah, get jammed. Yeah, get jammed Yeah. And then you close that and then everybody's leaving like, oh my God. That was, and like, it was like a rock show and like his little stuff like, hey, I invented this. Those were just goofy. 
And like he had a bit, he he would do it on Leno, and this is I think where comics didn't like him. He would do a bit like on the Tonight Show. He's like, hey, next time you order a pizza, get it from Domino's. When the guy delivers it, answer the door wearing one of these. And then he would have the Domino's jacket on. He's like, okay, that's not funny. And then he'd move on. That's the TV bit. But when you're doing a college and you got to do an hour, he goes, next time you order pizza, get it from Domino's. And when a guy comes to the door, answer it wearing one of these. And he puts on the jacket, ha, 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 gets a laugh. And then he goes, the hard part's getting the jacket. And I'm like, ha, ha, that's funny. Then he goes, the man, the, getting this one was the hardest. And then he does like this whole scene. It's like, it, it was like theater where he calls up the dominoes and then he goes outside. This is all on stage. It's all like space work and like a, a <laughs> yeah, step yeah, out. Yeah. And he's hiding behind the bushes and he's waiting for the guy and you can see him watching. He's watching the guy come with the pizza and he reaches, out. there's no one else on stage. And he's having a battle. He's wrestling with the guy and he's getting beat up and he's beat. And I'm like, he's like a, he's like a mime. He's like an actor. And he finally like, gets the imaginary coat off of, and I'm like, that bit is brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, I, and, and then you drive home and you're fine. And you're and like, I what felt, the? I felt like garbage. <laughs> I felt like garbage. I know. Because I'm like, I'm doing every all the stuff that's tried and true, tried and true, tried and true. And the other thing Scott had, Carrot Top, is he had a buddy with a, a, a legal pad who would watch his whole show. And then afterwards, like, and then we'd go out partying afterwards. He, had, he hadn't exploded to that level yet. But his buddy would take out the legal pad and he goes, oh, dude, you did a bit where you said bing, bing, bing. That was hilarious. You did a little, oh, yeah, remind me of that tomorrow. So he was always, he was doing oh, he's his- He's working. He See, was, he's got, he was, he's doing his craft. Yes. And you don't realize and that- I wasn't doing it. I was doing my little dog and pony show. <laughs> thinking I was better than everybody. <laughs> hey, it's good to be in Louisville. Blah, blah, blah. After three shots of tequila. Right, and yeah. then you're like, and then there's like self-loathing and hatred, and I'm like, oh, that guy's working. That guy, he's working he's on He's putting his... the time yeah. in. Isn't it, isn't it funny that people, the, mo the people with all the success are the people that are working. People think, oh, that guy got, came out of nowhere. That guy, he got lucky, he got a lucky break. No, that one little lucky break that made him, there was five, 10 years of mm -hmm. grinding and going to Tampa, going to Tennessee, performing at Ruby Tuesdays. Here comes all... another one, here comes another one. To your point, many, many moons ago, I get uh, I get a call from my manager. Hey, there's another comic that we represent. He's working on some new stuff. Would you go do a couple shows with him and help him write? Yada yada. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Guy by the name of Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham could barely get booked at a Funny Bone. Could barely get booked at an improv. He would do like one show, blah blah, and a bunch of people would show up because oh, he's a ventriloquist. And the whole time, this is like. I want to say the mid to late '90s. He's at he's standing once again, little little legal pad with a bunch of pens. And after the show, he goes, he would say this before he got off stage. Thanks for coming out. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. I'm gonna be you know saying hello to you guys as you leave, thanking you again. If you have an email, I'd love to get you on my email list and just just sign up. So and I'm like. What a waste of time. Yeah. What an absolute waste of time that was. And like email, who's using, it was, it was like, it was just kind of. personal. Right? Right, you And know I'm like, mean? the balls of this guy. Yeah, what are you talking about? But he was doing that at every show, collecting emails, collecting emails. So the next time he went back to like Houston, he would literally, he was doing all of this himself, like him and his wife, 
putting together his email list. He's the manager. He's the agent. He's the performer. He's the worker. Yeah. Then he would email these people and go, hey, I'm coming back to Houston. So they would come back out to see his show and they would bring their friends. And then all of a sudden it was like it sold out. And the people who run the improvs like, whoa, this guy's really doing something. And then it just it just reached this this tipping point where there was just so many people. I can't do comedy clubs anymore. I'm going to do small theaters. And then all of a sudden the people are like, wow, he can't even, he's doing, and then it just starts. It it's just like a starts vibe, yeah. bubble. And he's an insanely talented person. Like people love to crap on Dunham. Like you try it. For the love of, you try it. And it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to say this publicly. Like don't count other people's money. And when people would complain about Carrot Top or complain about Jeff Donham or someone or a guitar act or someone who's not like a stand-up purist, it's just it's just me and my microphone. <laughs> That's great. But when people go out and see Carrot Top or they see Jeff Donham, they have a good time at a live comedy show. That's money in our pockets. Yes. Because then they go, well, wow, let's do that again. And then they go to the club and then your dumbass is on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's go back now. So now you let's go back to that point where you had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either gonna shit or get off the pot here. What yeah. are you doing? Right? So it's either New York or it's going to be California. Yeah. Tell us what happened. But give us, you so, know, from that point there. I had Come to New York for like a uh, a weekend. I there was like some bizarre, like audition for an MTV show. So I I came out and it was just I had a horrible experience. Like the city was garbage. The people were mean. Everything was super expensive. That'll do like, it. I was like, oof. That'll do not, it. Oh my gosh! And I I do this audition for MTV and the kid behind the video camera is like too cool for school. And I'm like. What the heck? So it's like, eh, New York or L.A. And now, now my dad had grown up in Los Angeles and then joined the Air Force and, you know, met my mom. And she was an Ohio girl, so they settled in Ohio. But his brother, my uncle, uh, was still in Orange County, California. And so I have cousins, you know, in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, my wife and I, 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 that's what made me lean towards Oh, LA. so you were married when you went? To yeah, LA? got married, and then the wife, she took that big leap of faith with, with you. Yeah. That's something else, because, you know, a lot of people get married, and if the wife is giving a little bit of a rub, saying, hey, listen, I don't really feel like going to California, people then lose their dream, and they just stay there and whatever. It's great that you had someone that actually supported you. <laughs> but I you. didn't hide it. I like when we were dating. I'm like, here's what will be happening. Oh, we're moving. Like, we're I'm gonna, moving. We're gonna get married, and we're either going to New York or L.A. Or I'm just gonna be a miserable drunk for the rest of my life. Like, why you killed my dream? <laughs> so, 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 so here you are, though. Are you are you making a living in Ohio before you make this? Yes, that was the scary thing. That's like, I, I was doing my taxes, and I and you like, were happy. I'm like, oof. Like, I better go now. I better go now. This is comfy. This is very, very comfy. It's funny that you say that word comfy because a lot of people (coughs) don't get out of their comfort zone. Right. This is comfy. I'm making, and I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to count your money. I'm just making an assumption here. But I'm making $75,000 a year doing comedy, something I love. I'm able to support my family. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go to an environment that I have no idea, start all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure social media wasn't out yet, right? So, no. yeah, there was no, no, so you have to 
People have to see you, right? This they whole, have to, this whole podcast is going to be nothing but heartache of my horrible timing, <laughs> my realizing things too late. And then I realized that Jeff Dunham was smart for getting the email list. And then yeah. I realized yeah, I should have yeah, been working yeah. harder. Yeah, but it's all got you to this point right here, and you're doing excellent right now. You're it's, the guy. Knock on wood. It's going all right. So you go to L- you go to California, you go to L.A. Yes. Right? Yes. So tell me about that. See, I wanted to do the exact same thing, and then I got a girl pregnant. And I was uh, like, I can't do it. There you go. That's it. So I'm, I'm staying here. Because California yeah. to me was hot girls, beautiful weather, Oof. right? And yeah. I could do the exact bought, same thing. You bought the brochure. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> such, it's all such a horrible lie. It's all such a horrible I, lie. I did buy the brochure. I actually took the tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I took the tour. Friends of mine. Oh, I got some. Oh. Yeah. So I said, you know, that's why for me it was. And plus, I lived in New York. So I wanted to do something yeah. different anyway. Yeah. So, I, you know, that's what it was for me. But the scary part is where am I going to live? How am I going to make money? What am I going to do? You're married now. So now you're supporting. And maybe I'm sure she has her own life, too. Yeah. But tell me about that. Tell me about the day. You know, here you are. You come. You're packed. You're in L.A. Tell me about that experience. Well, I had flown out. The guys in the improv group, uh, I go, let's go out to L.A. and just see, get a get a taste of it. Get the lay of the land. Were so, they all for it or did they give you some, you know? So what we did is we did shows and then we're like, we're going to put this money aside at, for each show. That's going to be for our L.A. fund. So we, got, we, the, we paid for our own hotel. We had a rental car. We went out to L.A. We actually did some shows. We did we did a set at this club called Comedy and Magic Club, blew the doors off the place. Did a set at the Irvine Improv, blew the doors off the place. The Melrose Improv, blew the. I mean, oh, you all confidence thunder. must have been through the roof. Absolute thunder, and we got this nice. We got a bunch of hotel rooms, uh, you know, like back to back to back in in Marina Del Rey, beautiful area of of you know Los Angeles, and I'm like, you guys, let's just do it we'll come out here and we'll start our own group our own theater and we'll just do because we had met a guy here's a funny story is a heartbreaker sliding doors right here so one of the improv <laughs> there's a guy it's good line yeah 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 good there's a guy who started an improv group and a thing called comedy sports and he started out of out of like milwaukee and so we had our improv group. I was doing stand-up, but then I would also mess around with comedy sports. The guy who started comedy sports, this guy by the name of Dick Chudnow, beautiful guy, funny guy, wonderful. He and his buddies in college had a little sketch comedy group, had a little improv group. And they're like, wow, we're doing good. We're doing good. We should go out to L.A. and do this. Oh, I don't know. Oh, this one guy's uncle had a, uh, an, an, a hangar, an aircraft hangar, like an old one, but the lights still worked. So they go out, and I think it was like in Long Beach or whatever. So they start doing shows in Long Beach at this abandoned aircraft hangar, and they would charge tickets, and they were da-da-da. And so Dick Chudnow, one of the buddies, is like, this is going nowhere. This is sad. And the, and the other guys were like, no, 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 we're doing good. The audiences are picking up. The shows are great. He's like, I, I can't do it, guys. I can't. Dick leaves. Goes back to, uh, like, Madison, I Wisconsin. have a feeling this is going to be really... I, I have a feel. The other guys... I knew this was going to happen. The Abrams and the Zuckers stayed. And they're like, we should do our own movie. And they did this movie called Kentucky Fried Movie, which was all their skits that they had done live. Boom! That's thunderous. Then, boom! Airplane. And they're... Airplane! Oh, that's the Zucker Brothers. 
Airplane? Yes. Oh, it's the best movie. Oh, my gosh. The jive talking guys are the best. Naked Gone and all this other stuff, but they stuck it out. So, yeah. So I'm telling my buddies in my improv group, I'm like, let's do what they did. Because now they're at that level. They're they're up doing movies and TV. We'll come in. We'll just do our, our sketch. We'll get our fan base going, and then we'll write our own ticket. And one by one. See, and this is... It's a hard My heart was broken so bad when the band broke up. Because I'm like, that. this is what we're going to do. Like This was your I, life. 15, 16 years old. We were doing shows. We were doing gigs, sold out shows, girls the what whole night. What were you night. doing? What, what, what instrument did you play? Uh, rhythm guitar. Okay. Horribly. I knew like six chords. <laughs> just bar chords. Horribly. And it was like like punk meet the beat. It was weird. Uh, and I didn't want to get my heart broken again. So I told these guys, like, we should do this thing. This is... I'm going to come out here and I'm going to do stand up. You know, we should all go. And one by one, they're all like, for whatever reason, can't do it, won't do it. I'll, I don't want to do it now. It's not a good time. And uh, I saw yeah. one of the guys that you did the troop with is still doing stand up in Ohio. Yeah. I saw one. I don't remember his name, but I saw that. And you know, it's funny that you say that story. I said, huh, this guy. He's still in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm not trying. I'll do it for you. Yeah. He should have stayed. He should have stayed in California. Because look at Michael Loftus here. Right? There's, he should have stayed in California because you're still doing stand-up at the there. Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> or maybe it's not Ruby Tuesdays anymore. Maybe it's, you know, chock full of nuts. Who knows what it is, but well, here's he's the, still there doing it. Here's the interesting thing. So, like, you're like, oh, this is all before social media. So now I'm living in L.A. And, uh... You know, you've got to reestablish yourself. Like, I was the headlining comic. Uh, that's, welcome to the show. We got blah, 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 Michael Loftus on the show. So now I'm like, can't get stage time. No <laughs> one, like, and I, like, f- friends of mine who I'd worked with, they'd vouch for me. I, and they just got off stage at the uh, the Melrose Improv. And I'm like, hey, man, good to see you. Oh, my God, you're out here? Yeah, where are you living? I'm in studio. I said, oh, my God. Introduce me to the manager. This guy's hilarious. You got to get him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. And just the competition was fierce. Oh yeah, I could imagine. And that's where people are hating on everyone. Yeah. Every comic is out for blood. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. So in the meantime, uh, MySpace is percolating, and I'm like, I'm not paying any attention to this business. What an absolute MySpace is. Looking back. MySpace was the best. The hookup too. It was a it good was hookup. The best. Yeah, you're married at the time. MySpace for me was. Wait a second. Who is this girl? It never. Here's how stupid I am. <laughs> here's how dense I am. It never occurred to me. Oh, those people might want to come out and see me tell jokes. And there's this kid, Dane Cook, who Stop just. It. Stop. Go ahead. He was Mr. MySpace. I had no idea. Oh yeah. He's doing college gigs, and all the all the college gigs, all the kids are on MySpace, and he's da da da, and they're sharing his clips, and he's just like, boom, 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 and I'm like, what in the Sam Hill happened here? So then I start a day late and a dollar short in MySpace. Was yeah, just, me like crypto. Go ahead. Was so hackable. Was just so incredibly hackable. <laughs> <laughs> Every comic was in on it. There'd be a guy like, yeah, give me fifty bucks. I gave you fifty thousand friends on MySpace. <laughs> like, what? And you do it. Of course. And of have, course. You have these horrible comics. This is the shittiest comics ever. Like, I got five million friends on MySpace. Bullshit. Yeah. Nobody. So I, I missed uh, I missed that boat of, of self-promotion. But you got onto the, what was the Acme Theater? 
Yeah. Right? Oh, That's and, your break. And my buddy, the, the guy I think you're talking about now, like, I was missing YouTube. I missed that whole thing. Like, I'm so stupid. Didn't pay attention to MySpace. Didn't pay attention to YouTube. And my buddy is like, you should do YouTube. YouTube, you, I'm like, ah, no, it's too full. There's too much. There's always an excuse. Yeah, of course. Then then he shows me this video. He goes, he goes you watch this video, it'll change your mind. I watched it, it did. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm jumping in. My buddy, like within a year, had a video that had a couple million views. And he was just like, boom, on his way, on his way. And then YouTube put the clamp down on him. So, uh, and that's that. So, yeah. However, it's. Uh, and that's that, though. Once yes. the clamp goes on. But oh. the game has changed now. And this was the other thing. It's like in LA, where you don't have to be in LA anymore. You might have to go out there for a little bit to sign the paperwork. Oh, but, people are uh, doing things in their kitchen. You know, I mean, on YouTube, you get five million views on you're in your you're in your kitchen. You could do just, that back in Columbus. It's just a different animal now. It's, it's just a different animal now. And these people, they live in a bubble in Los Angeles. They live in a bubble in New York, in Manhattan, and. The reality is, it's everywhere. The talent is everywhere. There's people who like, screw you, I don't want to leave South Carolina. I have a great life. I'll build a studio in my backyard. In my shed, my yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And it's wonderful. And like LA keeps pumping out this whole, like the whole woke thing and the whole diversity, the forced diversity is what I hate about it. Hate like it. nobody is against diversity, but it's that forced diversity. And this last year, like ABC publicly announced, like yeah, we we turned down a bunch of pilots of we we turned down a bunch of really funny shows because they didn't have the diversity that we needed. Are you? And I'm I, like, and I'm like, this. You so you've lost your way. You have lost your way. That's you know, a recipe it, for disaster. It's funny that you say that because I well, you know watch TV, you watch Netflix, you watch commercials, whatever it is, and they force it down your throat. Mm -hmm. And and listen again, I'm not I'm not against any diversity, but mm -hmm. when I, how many times? When's the last time you hung out with your black? friend, your Asian friend, your Middle Eastern friend, and your Hispanic friend, all at the same night. That right? Would, that would have been on stage at Acme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm about saying, it. I'm like, wow, you're describing a sketch comedy show. Yeah. But I'm saying, though, yeah. you watch these commercials, and they're all hanging out together, and it's yeah. like, that's not real life. I don't have all of that. They're making it real life. They're making it real life. It's We're in this really weird crossroads right now where and it's and it's hard to explain but we're all being shoved into this naive box it's this this uh this box of naive thinking and normally i think you you automatically progress through it in life you start out naive then life just you get hammered something happens your best friend dies you're gonna car something happens that just pops that bubble and then you get bitter, you get angry, you get jaded, and then you move on to being like wiser about it, right? That's just that's just the every. That's the progression. I think that's every human being's progression. Absolutely, I agree with you. And then you want to stay out of that anger. You want to get out of that anger as fast as you can and try to get to wise. The entire country right now and a lot of Europe is being forced into this naive box that is just not based. On reality. In reality at all. And they are insisting that it is. And it's the craziest, the most insane thing I've ever witnessed. It's like before Keanu Reeves went into the Matrix, 
the machine had to build the matrix and then there was like that start it's where we are like in terms of like and i'm, I'm using it as a metaphor but like no so very little of what you see or what they prioritize is a real problem is a real issue is anything that affects anybody's real day-to-day -day. and we're being it they insist that it is they insist that it is and now it's seeping over into like like coca-cola and being woke and delta and baseball and yeah. now lately the military and that's where <clears throat> that's where it gets really super scary I yesterday they fired that dude from the Space Force. For being How did – because he wrote about critical race theory. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. You have the mil the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. And Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, he said it best last night, he, you know, because he had – his show was um, on this topic. And what he was talking about was here was the United States, the most fierce military group in the entire world, right? Mm -hmm. We're the superpower. And here we are, though, in 2021 – we are worrying about critical race theory within yeah. our military. Yes. Right? Yeah. Instead of, and like I said before, and before we started the show, we were talking about China and how they want to implant certain DNA into their soldiers and have these super soldiers. Yes. And yet we're worried about that the females can't wear ponytails and they're being, you know, subjected to racism yeah. based on, you know, in, in our military. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. How come there's no transgendered people in our Navy SEALs? <laughs> what, we have to evaluate this program and that's where it gets dangerous yes like we can play this game we can pretend like oh you're gonna show me the commercial for the detergent oh look the asian guy and the black guy and the lesbian girl and the transgender <laughs> they all hang out and they have coffee every sunday oh she spilled something on her shirt <laughs> they need to buy some tide like we can play that uh, yeah. i'll make believe that that's important uh, with you yeah, i'll do right? it yeah exactly but when it starts coming to defending us from people who want to wipe us off the face of the planet no I want stone cold killers. I don't care if you're transgender. Don't, I don't care, care at all. I don't care if we have a whole transgender unit. Yes. As long as they're stone cold killers yes. and cannot be stopped. Yes. I, in fact, I'd almost be in favor of an entirely transgendered unit, right? <laughs> just drop them off in Iraq and they all just like strip down and they got boobs and dicks and like, whoa! <laughs> totally incognito. <laughs> I mean, they're the perfect spies, right? They're the perfect spies. And the Taliban just can't handle it. Like, durka durka, why'd you got booby? I know, we know. What do I That's when you shoot them because as their brain's trying to process it, they lock up and they're pa 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 In fact... <laughs> This is what we should strive for as a country. You know, you it, it's it's funny that you do these type of um, impressions because I was you know watching your shows on you on YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why? Because you're on it now, and, yeah, and it's a great I thing. And up. I love your show, The Loftus Party. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But I, you know, you do these impressions, and when I saw you in person the other night at Joe the Box's place, the America First Warehouse, you're doing these impressions. You're doing certain impressions. Sure. How much is that a part of your repertoire and how long did it take for you? Like, do you sit there and, you know, say, okay, this is a character and I got to work on it or does it just come natural to you? Here's the thing. My natural state is lazy. <laughs> Me too. And I have to, <laughs> I have to <laughs> constantly like go, yes. start, begin, go. And I remember I was doing stand-up somewhere. <laughs> I was doing stand-up somewhere, and I was going through some phase, like some purist phase, where I'm going to be dark, you know, and ed, you know, I'm going to edgy. Experiment, knife, with that. 
razor sharp. And this uh, this comedy club owner, uh, who who sadly passed on, he's like, "Why don't you do those impressions no more? Dang! You, you when you were in here last year, you were doing bang bang ding ding." He's like listing off all these impressions. It was funny as hell. People want to oh, so I, I wish you'd get back to doing. And I'm standing there drinking my beer and just thinking like, I totally forgot that I did impressions. And then I'm like, if I would be, so not, there's a skill set not everybody has. If I were smart, I would have written a bit like like Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay did this bit where it's like all these famous people sitting around a campfire. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. You know, uh-huh. and then like, boom. So, yeah. What do you think I, of Andrew Dice Clay as a comic? I, uh, it's like a cautionary tale right there. It's a cautionary <laughs> tale. It really is. It really is, and I think, and I would, I would say this to his face, but like, get out of your way. Get out of your own way. And I, I'll talk a little bit out of school on this. So he he blew up, that character. Oh, hey, hey, that, hey that Mary, was, Mary. That was one of the many characters he would do in a show. He would, you know, he was doing a great impression of John Travolta. The guy's a really good impressionist. He would get these opportunities and then go out of his way to mess him up. Go out of his way. There's a famous story, it might be apocryphal, but he did this movie called Ford Fairlane. I'm like, oh, here we go. Evidently, before they were finished, before they were finished, he walks into, whether Sony or whoever is the executive's office, Warner Brothers, whatever, and reads them the riot act. You're never gonna ba ba ba, you know, I'm da da da, this is the story. You know, if anybody's listening that knows, you know, Andrew, let me know if I'm wrong. That's the story he goes in, he reads in the riot act, and they're like, okay, okay, wonderful. All right, we'll do that. He leaves, and they're like, boom, that's it. No more. No more. Oh, see you later. Yeah. It's not good. It's no good. So then years later, a guy I know is writing on this television show, and it's got Andrew Dice Clay... And uh, oh, I forget the woman who played his wife in it. And he was like a down and out New Yorker. You know, they were like living in some crappy neighborhood somewhere. And he was a real working class guy. Uh, and the show was like really funny. And everybody's like, ooh, here comes the dice man. But he wasn't doing the dice man. He was like acting. But yeah. he's like this, this New Yorker who's angry at the world and his wife, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a sitcom. And it's just, it tests like through the roof. And people love this guy and da, 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 da. Word on the street is he goes into the head of the. Here's what you're gonna do. Ba 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 ba. The same thing, and they're like, okay, okay. See you later. Right. So now he's, you know, he's still out there on the road. But some people, I don't know. They just, they maybe they just want to have that enemy. Everybody feels better when they have an enemy. I have it a, just, it fills up a big hole in your life. I have a question for you, because you're talking about Andrew Dice Clay, and I know he did a movie with Woody Allen. Right, mm-hmm. he's in a Woody yeah. Allen movie. Yeah, would you he's do, a talented dude. Would you do a Woody Allen movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't matter anything. The accusations. Well, or I'm going to want input. The accusations, like here's here's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm being honest with you though, because I mean, you sit there and say that you, you hear the. I, I would do a Woody Allen movie in a heartbeat if you put me in. I'll do anything. I'll play. Yeah. The, I'll be the kid running back and forth and, and match point <laughs> at the tennis match, grabbing the ball, bringing it back. Yeah. Like you know, I'll do anything Woody Allen wants me to put put me in. But I, I mean, you're someone who I have to talk to Soon Yi first. Oh, good. I'll be like, hey, what do you think? Do I do it or no? <laughs> Talk to your dad. What's going on? <laughs> I love it. I do love you it. approve Soon Yi? 
So what's the point now? As you get to California, what's the break? Where do you get the break? What's the break? Is it? It's at the Acme Theater, right? So I'm doing Acme. Uh, and then that whole thing was, uh, I, I got an, I got a, um, a manager out of that. I got an agent. Big out thing of that. for you to get a manager in it. In in oh yeah. How Is does it, that make you feel when you're? You there feel you like are. you're on your way. You're finally on your way. You're doing it. Tell now. me about the car ride by yourself. You get the manager for the first time. Now you you sign a deal with the manager and the and the agent. Just you know, tell me. It just feels good because it had been a, it had been a struggle because you go from being this headlining comic, ba 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 ba, talking to people after the show. Oh my gosh, like you're somebody in in the middle of America, and then you go out to L.A. and you are nobody. You can't get stage time, uh, and then Acme when when you. You get with the manager, uh, yes, and, and the agency will represent you uh, for commercial work. And you'll, you, okay, so now I'm going on auditions. You, you just feel like like a racehorse that got let out of the gate. Okay, here we go. Now yeah, we can yeah, stretch yeah, our yeah. legs. Yes. And it was just a very hard balancing act because to pay the bills, I had discovered doing colleges. Like you go do college work uh, and it paid. Like, Tough gig at colleges or is that an easy gig? It depends, you know, on what you wanted to do. But like, so they have these big conventions, NACA, the North American Collegiate Association. So you would do this big convention, you do like 10 minutes of your act, and then the colleges would decide if they wanted you or not. You'd tell them how much you charge, blah, 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 that whole nine. So I'm, I did a NACA convention and it was like very successful. I booked a ton of work. So I'm now I'm trying to like go out and do colleges and then come back and do ACME but I'm letting down the people in the cast because like, oh, we got this show on Saturday. Oh, I'm doing I'm doing Washington State University, da da da, da. So something had to give. And so I, I kind of had to back out of Acme and then the colleges were complete, completely unrewarding artistically and barely even financially rewarding. There was no excuse to keep doing it. It was too funny. And then I had this kid complain and write a letter. It was like the, like the beginning of the woke movement. Uh, I did a show with this, I did a, a, a like a German accent. There was a one, <laughs> whatever. Let me hear what a German accent sounds like. But Steve. like one of the things at this college, like you, 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 you're gonna get your money, it's a lunchtime show and afterwards you'll, you can get have a free lunch to show this ticket to the lady. <laughs> so I show the ticket to the lady and I'm like, hey, I'm doing a show, but I'm gonna come back. So how late is this place open? And she's like, you must be hurry. You must go quickly. We will close at 1.20. And I'm like, okay, well, good. so it's good. So it's really I'm good. on stage and I'm like, wow, this show's, listen, we're ending right on time. Cause I'm gonna go to lunch. Cause the woman, she told me, you will turn in some ticket. You will do the food at 1.25. And I'm, you know, I do like a little goose step thing. And this kid, like everybody's howling with laughter. And then I find out weeks later, some kid in the audience like that was offensive and not everyone from Germany is a Nazi. And I was like, like you said, whoa. That's, and, and that right there is times 300 yeah, today. But that was my last one because they weren't, out of, out of all these college gigs, like one out of 25 would be like, yes, that was, I actually was working on something. I was actually, and you had comics who were just killing it on the college circuit. They were all these remember when guys. And that was just personally would irk me. They'd be on stage. Wow, so you guys are in college now. Boy, when I was going to college, we didn't have bunga, bunga, bunga. We had bingo, bingo, bingo. Ah. <laughs>
and it was just so pedestrian and so and it was just so predictable and i got shirts for sale after the show they say hey somebody give me the password to myspace who is that guy Tell me uh, that guy in your head. Who is that guy right there? You do that impression because you do I'm it well. I'm trying to remember this dude's name. I'm trying to remember this dude's name. He was, but it's a guy, right? It's oh, it's a real guy. It's a dude. It's a dude. Yeah, it's yeah. a real guy. I love it. I love and he it. He used to do comedy clubs, and then he started doing co uh, colleges exclusively. So I go to this convention to just start doing colleges. This guy's there. What the heck was his name? And he comes up to me and he's get he gets this look on his face. He goes, "Oh, you're 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 doing colleges." And I go, yeah, man, I just started. It's my first NACA. He goes, oh, I'm doing like 20 minutes of your stuff. I had no idea that you were doing, yeah. I had this bit about driving down to Florida. He I stole had, from you our show? Oh, absolutely. Oh, and that's just, the worst thing right, that you could possibly do. And he just do. said it right to my face. He goes, yeah, I'm doing your stuff about Disneyland. I'm doing your stuff about driving down to Florida. I'm doing your stuff about uh, getting pulled over by the cop in Alabama. And, and, and I'm just like, are you... No kidding me. I mean, at one point, you sit there and say that's a compliment because yeah. he thinks that you're really funny, but it's like, hey, guy, you're not doing it tonight. And, and, and hopefully been, you don't ever do it again. He'd been doing it all over. It that's was so bad. In, in a if I were to go do my own material in front of a college group, they'd go, oh, he's uh, doing Bob. The guy's name was like Skip or that's something horrible. horrible. But it was nasty. It was, it was bad. So here you are, Acme, right? Yep. And then George Lopez comes into your life. Yeah. How? How does that, how does so, that play out? So as fate would have it, this is just one of those really bizarre, like Hollywood stories. A buddy of mine had set up, he had a, a an audition at the Ice House in Pasadena. The Ice House has been doing stand-up comedy since like 19 freaking 50 something. Like everybody started out, the Smothers Brothers, Lily Tomlin, the wall of fame is just insane. Oh wow. It's, it's just insane. And so, a buddy of mine was doing, uh, he had an audition there. He didn't want to go by himself. He goes, hey, would you would you go out? You know, just like hang. And I'm like, absolutely. I'll, that way I'll know where the club is, blah, 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 blah. So we drive out to Pasadena. You go, you go down this one-way street, and then there's an alley. You walk down the alley, and all of a sudden there's a club back there, and, and it's packed. So uh, my buddy's in the green room. I'm not hanging out in the green room because I'm not going on. I'm out in the, I'm out in the parking lot having a smoke just by myself, having a, having a butt. And then this dude comes out and he's uh, talking with a friend of his, I forget what they were talking about, uh, guitars or something. And he's like, yeah, I might buy the, I might buy the Rickenbacker, I don't know, I might buy the Gibson, some some crap like that. And I'm like, as I look over, I'm like, get the Rickenbacker, right? Cause like I had a, played a Rickenbacker in high school, you know, in my yeah. band. And he goes, oh, you play? I'm like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy goes, oh, you're not a comic, are you? And I go, yeah. He goes, okay, great, perfect. This comic didn't show. Do you, can you do like, and I'm like, woo, yes, I can. He asked me if I could do like a Are you a kidding me? And, it, and I felt bad because my buddy had waited six months for this. And so <laughs> I'm just out there smoking, talking about guitars, and I get a five-minute set, and it goes very well. You know, I'd been preparing for a long time. So then the the guys like, what was your go to set? Like, do you remember the skit? Like the actual? Yeah, it was uh, going to Ireland to getting drunk with my cousins. Okay, so that good. was that's, it. That's oh good. yeah, it's good. I'm Irish. Yeah, we'll drink it. <laughs> Irish. Are... Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. So then he starts. I start getting regular sets out at the Ice House, and he's like, "Hey, can you? Would you come out tonight and MC? Which for your ego is horrible." You know, you oh, want to be the guy, right? But I'm like, absolutely, I'll do it. Absolutely, just yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. 
So then that was kind of like, you know, the the Melrose Improv was very good to me. Hermosa Beach Comedy Magic Club, I, I got in there. But like the Ice House in Pasadena, that was like a 25 minute drive. I was, I was there a lot. And so I was gonna do stand up on some like basic cable network. I don't even know what it was, the Animal Planet or something, but it was, it was horrible. So I wanted to work out my set in front of people. So I wanted to run it one more time. I go out to the ice house and you know, I, I go on stage, I do my set, it goes really well. I come back into the green room to get my jacket and my keys and everything. And there's this dude standing back there and he goes, hey, wow, man. And you could watch in the green room, they had a monitor. You could see the, the show live. And this guy goes, wow, you're a funny, we can cuss, right? Of course. He goes, wow, you're a funny motherfucker. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And he's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Michael Loftus. He goes, I'm George, man. And I'm like, oh, I knew who you were. Oh, I've seen your, look at and, that. And he goes, he goes, hey, man, I got a show coming out and I want funny motherfuckers to write on my show. And you're a funny mother. Give me your number, man. And George I, Lopez. Yes, yes. Oh, he wow. had just signed the deal to do a show for ABC, a sitcom. And I'm like, oh, this guy wants my number. And I'm like, he's kind of bragging, you know? Like, but you oh. didn't know who George Lopez was. I had heard of him. Okay, I, He was okay. like, cause he was never, he never went east of the Mississippi. He was like, he was just Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico. What time Texas. frame is this around? Like year wise? Early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. And so I'll be damned if like, a month later, six weeks later, my phone rings and it's like on caller ID, you see it's Warner Brothers. And I'm like, Warner Brothers? And bing, bing. Yeah, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah from the yada, yada production company. George Lopez recommended you, said we could reach out uh, about a possible, and I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested. You know, what? how does this work? Well, do you have a spec script? And I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. And then, There's the improv. The yes. secret sauce. Yes. There's yes. the secret sauce right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. And because go, I, first thing I said to myself, no, I don't have a fucking, you know. <laughs> but here you are. Yeah, of course I I didn't even I know do. what a spec script yes, was. Yeah. So they go, when can you get that into us? And I'm like, I'm heading, I'm hitting the road. I'm doing stand-up this weekend. I can get it to you on Monday. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and that's exactly. I was, I went up and I was booked. I was uh, doing uh, shows up in the Bay Area, San Francisco. And so like during the day, I'm like, I found out what a spec script of was. Course. It's like an imaginary episode of a show. <laughs> so I'm like writing like, I just blew out a draft in an afternoon, showed it to a buddy of mine. He read it and he was like, oof. You messed up here. You need to change this, this, and this. Why? Because X, Y, and Z. So I changed that, got it done, drive home, Sunday night, blah, blah, blah. And so they they read the, the script on Monday. And looking back at it, it was just absolutely horrible. It was, I mean, it, structurally it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but they like, took it. Yes, and they're like, okay, this guy can at least try to write. So then I was hired to be the punch-up guy, which I don't think. What's that mean? It means they have a script that's almost done. Right, they're gonna film it on Friday or, or Thursday, and now it's Tuesday, so bring in the punch-up guy. And then as you're going through, they're like, at this point, George comes in, he trips over a bucket and he hits his head. So can we do something funnier there? Well, what if he didn't trip on the bucket? What if he stepped in the bucket and it stepped and it stuck on his foot and then he did, oh, okay. So you're, you're taking- That's the punch. Yeah, you're taking existing bits, making them a little bit better, or going, hey, what if she doesn't come in and fart? What if she comes in and ba says, ba, 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 ba? So it's just- you're I gotta like, tell you, that's a good gig. 
It that's used a, to because be. that the, the pressure isn't as much as creating the oh, whole thing. The pressure is way. It's just a different it, kind it, of pressure. Okay, okay, okay. And I didn't know this. I didn't know this. But the little thing that George had done to me, hey, you're a funny motherfucker, he'd done that to a bunch of other dudes. Uh, so there was a punch-up guy coming in on Monday. Then I was Tuesday. There was another guy Wednesday, another guy Thursday, Who would have thought? Friday. Who would have thought right? that this five punch-up guys? I was like so happy and so delighted. Well, they were testing out. They only had, there was only room for one. Uh, it was like freaking Highlander, <laughs> right? Yeah, look And they were this. just auditioning dudes. And like uh, <laughs> I led a good one. And then it, it occurred to me, I'm like, wow, we taped the show on Thursday, but I'm not here. I'm here on Tuesday. And then one of the other writers was like, yeah, there's another guy that comes in. Did you think you were? I'm like, <gasps> I got to step up my punch game. But one, but one by one, they all went uh, bye bye. And at the end of like the end of like four episodes, they go, hey, would you come in two days a week? We want to see how you are with story. Uh, and so then I started doing that. And then they were like, how about you just come in? Do you want to do five days a week? And I was like, yeah, I'll do well, five days a well, week. Well, hold on a second. You'll do five days a week. But if you were a writer and you went to L.A. to be a writer. But to, I didn't. But you didn't, right? Because yeah. this is how I'm thinking. If I was in your shoes, and I'm only saying this because this is how I would be thinking. Now I'm writing. I'm not on stage. I'm not performing. I'm not an actor at the George Lopez show. In the George Lopez show, I'm writing. And ding, now that's ding, a great foot in the door, but there's an ego part. You are, you know, you're the talent. Yeah. And now you're not the talent. And now you're writing was, for the talent. And that was a tough one. That was a tough balance to figure out. How'd you do it? Uh, you know, I went out as often as I could. Like, Saturday night, Sunday night, I was doing stand-up. I was doing a show somewhere. I had to keep going, I had to keep going. And then at one point during the George Lopez show, towards the end, I think it was almost the last season, I got uh, picked to to do the Montreal Comedy Festival. That's a big festival. Right? That's a and huge so festival there. I went to George and I'm like, hey, because I was gonna miss a little bit of work. And I'm like, is, that, is it cool if I do that? I don't wanna mess anything up, you know? And he was very cool and gave me some advice and, you know, and there was a, so I, that felt right. You know, it was like, okay, so I stepped away from the show and I'm out and Montreal went great. Just, just wonderful. You killed it? Yeah. What a feeling that is. It was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Then I have my own show in development and I'm the talent and they're like, oh, and he can write too. So I'm working with this other showrunner. And uh, you know when did when did um you've changed when did that come into that stand up that you did you've changed that was after the Montreal thing yeah that was right? a, yeah because first of all that's a great way, that's a great heading you've changed <laughs> yeah because there's so many different things Eric we have uh, a couple of clips I want to play oh we got clips yeah I want to play can you play the um the dolphin clip sure, just give me a sec. A dolphin. I clip. saw this. I saw this clip, and I got to tell you. So last night, or maybe yeah, last night it was. So I'm doing my you know research for the show and everything, and my girlfriend passes out on the couch, and I'm at the dining room table, mm. and I'm watching your shows. I'm watching your thing. I laughed so loud on this clip. I don't know what it is. Oh, look at this guy. guy. Who's that young man? Look at this guy. What is that? Sound? At... Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> that does look like Simon Cowell. Yeah, my wife and we went We went to Jamaica for our honeymoon. Oh, yeah. here we go. Oh, yeah. I know. How do you not smoke pot in Jamaica? 
and uh, she's like, my wife, she doesn't drink, she doesn't smoke, nothing. She's just an angel sent from heaven to make my life a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not play the whole clip. Oh, no, 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 it's just, just a dolphin. Okay. I used to. What'd you do? Right, right? But the effects change. Over time, this is true. You can still smoke pot and have a good time. I salute you. I love that part because it's so true. You <laughs> can do it, right? When I used to smoke, you'd have this giggle fit, this laughing fest. You're just making noises that no one but a dolphin could understand. You know, <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bit. I didn't know what you were talking about. What the hell's going on? We're busting out tonight. Tell Shamu. <laughs> <laughs> We're busting out tonight. That Shamu. Tell Shamu. I love it. <laughs> oh, that was such great. That's great. I love that. Do you remember writing that bit? Do you remember where you were? Or is that something that's just gone in the ether now? It's one of those things where, it, uh, this is horrible, but like I remember it now that I see it, but like, oh, I haven't done that bit in a million years. That's a you know? great, that's a, that's a that's genius. A story. That's a genius bit. That oh, is, that is thanks, what, man. Absolutely. Thanks. Doing the dolphin, the shamu on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> you always like, you ever laugh that hard? You get that? Yeah, it's like that was super great. baked. And you're just like. You know what, though? There's a lot of truth to it, too, with the whole pot smoking. Because I, you know, that's the thing about comedy. You want to say things that people can relate to, even when you're telling the story before you even get to the punchline. Sure. You're setting people up. But yeah, I go through, it's so funny because you said I salute you with the pot because, yeah. hey, it used to do it for me, Yeah. but then the anxiety thing came out of nowhere, hit me like a ton of bricks, Yeah. and I can't do it as much. It's, there's something happens. I know as you get older, your inner ear gets narrow, and that's the thing with the roller coasters and the spinny, because like how, like I remember being a kid. And you watch your, you know, your dad, he's like, yeah, I can't ride that ride. It'll make me sick. You're like, wow, that's sad for you. And as a kid, you're like, I'm never going to stop. And like a couple years ago, I'm on a ride with my kids and I'm like, I'm going to barf. I'm going to barf. from. What has <laughs> happened to me? What has happened? I've gone <laughs> and I think, I honestly think that there's another chemical change that happens to you as you get older. And science just hasn't put there. I know, t I know too many people who had a wonderful time smoking weed. Myself, had a wonderful time. It was just an enhancement on life. And then one day, for whatever reason, it's like, there. It, this is not fun. Oh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. It's not, it's not, as you get older, the weed got better. Now you look at the, I used to have these brown little dime bags with seeds all over and right. you know, you had to break it up. It took me 10 minutes just to even break up the weed. Now you got these green leafy things with purple strains and this and, and you see crystals all over. I didn't so see crystals. So you don't smoke as much. It you matter. change the recipe. What, like, the, what it, That's just it. Like with me, because I, I, I was bummed when I couldn't smoke weed anymore. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, that's, and, and so I would try it. You know, like every six months. Well, maybe, and I would, and people would like, this is Purple Nurple Dragon Ball. <laughs> you know, it always has some crazy name. And they're like, just take one hit. And I've learned to trust those people. They know what they're talking about. You take one hit and still, paranoia. I'm wasting my life. What am I doing? I should be cleaning. Other people are working. And it's like, yeah, and it's I like, know. I'm not going to spend money to beat myself up. No, you're right. You're 100%. So I, I like the people who can enjoy it for real. That's that's great. I am jealous. Talk to me about today. Talk, talk to me about the the political climate because you're on now TV. I see you on Fox. I saw you on Tucker. You're on Fox and Friends as well. You're on um, uh, 
uh, what? Uh, Greg Gutfeld. Greg, Greg, Greg yeah. Gutfeld. I love him, by the way. Funny lo- and I love that you, that you're on it. And I love yeah. what you're doing. It's, that's a great spot. How did you How did you get involved in Fox News? How did that happen? It was all a big giant accident, an incredible, insane accident. I was on stage uh, at the Melrose Improv, and I saw every comic. And I was uh, I'm a conservative. Right? I don't think big government, I read science fiction, I read books, like big government is never the solution. It's just the giant money pit. And it's, there's a, a guy, Thomas Sowell, who once said- No, he's great, I love Thomas brilliant. Sowell. He's like, don't judge a program on its intentions, judge it on its results. So I still have a big heart. Americans were the most generous, like I don't wanna see somebody starving in the streets. How should we, what's the best way to help them? What is the best way to solve that situation? Democrats are gonna go, oh, we got a program. We're gonna tax everybody. Then these people are gonna be in charge. And then we're gonna have the, and like, okay, you're gonna waste a lot of money and that guy's still gonna be hungry, right? So that's part of my belief system. And I also, if you wanna take that, because I I agree with you 100%, I think that's what they also do to black Americans in the programs that they give. Oh, wait till the black community figures that out. Why hi, Why haven't they, Mike? Because they don't have why the microphone. Why haven't they, they? They don't have the microphone. Right now they do. Candace Owens is saying it. And a lot of other- uh, Larry Elder. My buddy uh, Brandon Tatum is saying it. Yes. It's po- You can't keep, and it's like, this. we've kind of come full circle. We're talking about this, this uh, naive box that everybody wants us. You can't keep reality at bay forever. You can buy yourself some time but reality will pop that bubble. Ask the Romans how that went. The Romans, for thousands of years, we are Rome. We are invincible. No one can conquer Rome. We're the motherfucking barbarians. And we're here to rape your women and kill you. Oh, but we are Rome. Well, tell that to your wife who I'm slitting her. You know, it's like yes, reality yes. will creep in. So um, with the politics of it all, I'm on stage and I'm watching every comic go up and just like uh, George Bush is a this that that did a comic guy. He's just a retard cowboy. And the next, like they don't even have jokes. And you can tell, I can tell the audience is like getting bored with it. And like it seemed like every comic just had some horrible George Bush. <laughs> so I go on stage and I go, let me start by saying this. George Bush should be on Mount Rushmore. He is the best. And the audience was like, what? And then I started going in. My wife's from Texas and I had a bunch of material about Texas anyway. He's from Texas. I love it when, and I start doing all this pow, pow, pickety pow. And he's gonna, and the audience, it's just thunder. Just absolute thunder. And so comics are coming up to me going like, wow, are you really uh, a Republican or is that just an act? And I'm like, no, I'm really a Republican, but I'm dialing it up for these guys. Hell yeah. And so then the word kind of got out in the, uh, and it was going so well. And it's like, it felt so wonderful. Cause like every, I'm talking every comic was just hating on the right, hating on the right. And then I would come in as like, I think it's awesome. And here's why. <laughs> And like, it was just refreshing and just kind of different. So then the word kind of getting out, like, oh, this Michael Loftus guy also has like political stuff that he does and he leans a different way. And then Greg Gutfeld was over at Fox News and he had just started this show called Red Eye. And then I got invited to do that show, but like via satellite. They wanted to, you know, they I think they just wanted to talk to a comedian who was in LA and it went really well. And then, uh, 
But it turns out the satellite thing, I did it a few times, but it was just much better. In with, person. In person. Yeah. So uh, so that didn't work out, but that, it, it got like my foot in the door in a way. Was that before or after the flip side? Oh, this is before. This, this is before. before. So because I had this reputation for doing uh, political stuff, I did a couple spots on Red Eye and then kind of really nothing happened. But another guy, like you never know who's watching, blah, 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 wanted to come up with a uh, a right, like kind of a right-leaning right -leaning alternative to The Daily Show. Yeah. And so at the time I was working on this. Which I think is a genius idea, by the way. Even back then. Get, and ready, get ready to get bombed out, bro. Yeah. <sighs> so, so we were talking about that balance. Like, okay, so you're writing for Lopez, but you want to be the performer. So... I was always conflicted by that. And I would like, oh, okay, so the Lopez show's gone. Now I'm doing my bit. And then another show, a friend of mine, ooh, just help me out one season. Ah, okay. And I'd come back and, cause I had love, I like, I like writing and I, it's a puzzle and you want to solve it and you want to do something great. So then that show would go away and I, oh, I'm back to stand up. And then I get a phone call, like we're doing this show with Charlie Sheen. It's called Anger Management and we're guaranteed to do a hundred episodes. So Oof. I'm like, okay, cool. So I dig in and I'm doing that. And then I get this call, this guy goes, we wanna do a right-leaning version of The Daily Show. And I'm like, okay, well, it would have to be on the weekends. So yes, it will be, we'll fly down to Dallas. This guy's building a studio and he's doing X, Y, and Z. And so I look, where are we gonna put this thing on? Oh, we're gonna independently syndicate it. And I had no idea. I had no idea about any of that stuff. Like Baywatch is probably the most <laughs> successful one. Baywatch was a network show. And the network was like, no, we're not doing this. We're not taking it. We're not taking it. And David Hasselhoff, to his credit, and some of the other people like, this show is a, is a monster hit. We will produce it. We'll sell it on our own. And so they did. There's like conventions where people, there's there, it's in Europe, it's in North oh, America, yeah. and they get together like, I got a show about blah, 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 blah. Do you want to buy it? They, they either do or they don't. Baywatch did really well. And I thought, well, like, I'm like, half the country has nothing. Half the country leans right and they have nothing to laugh at and this Daily Show is just like, uh, just sucking up. Republicans laugh. Right? Yes. Yeah, they love oh, comedy they're, too. They're the right? best. That's the thing. They're the yeah. best. They're not yes. judgy. Yes. They're not judgy. Yes. And I'm like, and we're the underdogs now. So we start filming this show and listen, it was like the, the budget was very small and there was a lot of things that I would do differently. However, at its core, it was very funny. It was entertaining. It was enlightening. The guests were great. The framework was there. I saw that you had that guy that was doing the, it was one of the uh, bits that you did, that he was the Secret Service guy out in front of the White House. And oh, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's in a studio this size. <laughs> yeah. We got a little green screen. We're doing. <laughs> it was great. You did a great job on that, too. So it was so much fun. So we were syndicating this thing. And like Chicago is like, yeah, we're not going to. No independent station in Chicago would pick it up. We're, we'll get sued. We'll get sued. Because of because how left-leaning. Because it leans to, to the, the right. right. Because yes. of how left they are. Yes. Yeah. Can you believe that that actually is taking place I in was, this country? I was shocked. And I thought, well, maybe it's really because of the production quality. Maybe that's kind of it, Studio's too. beautiful, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, I don't know. I'm sure that it wasn't as big as it looks because it's a studio because you get deceived by when you're looking in on camera. But you, you were great. The studio was great. And here we go. And you know, yeah, the product was great. Yeah. So the guy, the guy who was putting up the money down in Dallas, I tried to, I, 
I tried to warn him. I tried to give him the heads up. You know, let's watch the budget. But he has to bow out after season one. Why? Money. He couldn't afford to like. He got keep it going. He, yeah. We got to fly the guests in. We got to do that. Do this. So I'm like, tell you what, dude. I'll I'll take, I'll take the cameras and I'll take the name, the flip side. And he was some of the stations like in L. A. and New York. They're like, give us 500 bucks a week and we'll put it on at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> So you're you got to make that okay. So it, we want to. So it's a horrible balance, yada yada. So he bows out after season one. But I got the name, I got the logo, and like I got a buddy, this really great guy that runs the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. Uh, if you scroll, there he is. Like the one with the yellow background, that's down in Texas. But then if you scroll, go two more over to the right, that is at Hermosa Beach and Comedy and Magic Club. Yeah, that's the that's the one I was talking about, the studio. That yeah. Was, yeah, so that one, they have like a little side room where they just use it to like, this is where the audience waits before they go into the main showroom. And I'm like, uh, the owner of the place, a great dude. I'm like, could I use that to film a TV show? And he's like, absolutely. I'm like, it's about politics. And he's like, that's fine. It leans to the right. He goes, well, it's, you're not gonna be hateful. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's all, he's like, okay, cool. So. I did two seasons in this thing, just like for nickels. And then as fate would have it, I get I get invited to write on another TV show and I just can't do everything at the same time. So I let the flip side go away. A person in Hollywood had seen it and heard about it and was like, we should do, we should do that show, but with a budget and do it legit. And so uh, I won't name names because there is people get people get blacklisted and stuff. How, how did you feel though when it, when it because it it's like I said I, I I'm sure that in the beginning when you first signed on to this you're like wait a second we're gonna go up against these big time left leaning shows there's no right wing show at all right. you're the only game in town and that's right. what you want to be right yes you yes. want to be the only game yeah. in town yeah so having that and then two years later it's over. I mean, how did that make you feel? Well, it was three. We three, did three, okay. three seasons of it. We did one in Texas, and then I did two in, in 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 Los Angeles. I'm with Seinfeld on this. You can't keep something funny a secret. You can't keep something funny <laughs> a secret. And like, I was like, there's so much money to be made here. First of all, somebody has to make fun of this ridiculous crap. It, it's just, there's just too much comedy there too to much. not make fun of it. It's written for you. Then you throw in the big pile of money that's just waiting. It's just out there waiting. I'm like, something will happen. Something wonderful will happen out of this. And then something wonderful did happen. Uh, big time Hollywood actor and producer who has many, many hit shows on the air comes to me. I love that show, The Flip Side. Now, let's can you tell us the name? No. Okay, that's fine. the person is still working, and there is Oh, yeah, the of course. There is but Woke let's, America. Let's just say you've <laughs> cheered this person on. Okay. You're sitting in the movie theater, and you're like, that character, oh, you've watched him on TV, you've seen him in the big screen, and he produces whatever. People, you'll be able to figure it out pretty easily, I would think. So uh, we get a showrunner, a guy who had experience in late night, real funny guy, good guy. We start coming up, here's the segments of the show, we'll do this, we'll do this, and then... Uh, our agents uh, at, at UTA, very, very powerful agency, big, big agency in Los Angeles. 
I never got to that point. They're like, oh, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> I never got to it the was, agent. It was crazy. I never dude, got to the agent. We're at, we're in the big room with the, gra the glass wall, the, like out of a movie, yeah. out of a movie. <laughs> and these guys have folders and they're so excited about this show. And they're like, because it's not mean-spirited. And that's but, the one thing I, I never wanted to do anything mean. What's going on? Like, what do you... What goes on in your mind at this time? You're meeting at these offices. Someone is really interested. It, you know, I'm thinking, finally, finally, my ship has come in. You can't keep something funny a secret. This is such a great idea. It's not mean. People will realize it's like, here we go. Absolutely. And the agents and then the guy, the Hollywood, my, you know, the guy who was running the show with me, who sold many shows? Like, well, we're gonna get multiple offers on this, so let's not. Panic. Oh, we're I gonna, got a bidding war. We're gonna, yeah. That's what you want. That's what they're telling. You want to sell a house? You want a bidding war? They're you warning want... us. <laughs> they're warning us there will be a bidding war. So we go. Sex out. was good that night, huh? Dude, we go, <laughs> we go out and take our first meeting, and just, it was fantastic. People are laughing. We're having a great time talking about the show. And then, what oh, are you going out for dinner and, and stuff like this, that? Could, and then afterwards, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to sell it in the room. I'm thinking in the room, the guys, well, we want you here on blah, blah, blah. And they didn't make us an offer in the room. But afterwards, we're all in the like high five and that was awesome. Da, da, da. You know, oh, like, what a all right, feeling that well, is. That's on. the feeling, right? Yeah. That is the juice yeah. right there. Right? And then everybody's like, just hold on to that because we got blah, blah, blah tomorrow. We're going into From Columbus, guys. Ohio to I'm Tennessee like, to Tampa we, yes. to Texas. Yeah. Right? And now here to New York, the bad experience in New York. And here's the juice. Yes. So we we keep taking meetings and it's it could not have gone better. It was just a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then we start getting the emails. We think this show would be a huge success. This demographic has nothing. We would make a ton of money on it. However, we cannot afford as a network to look friendly to the right. Are you out of your, you have we to got, be kidding. We got that email four times, four times. We love this show. Michael, we think you're great. We love the tape, we love the idea. And this demographic is out there. Now at the time, uh, Roseanne had just rebooted before she got canceled. Roseanne, and she was like, I voted for Trump, Trump. and her sister. I voted for Hillary. And the, the ratings for that was like an NFL playoff game every week for eight. It was like they were printing money. And you could see that like you're allowed to disagree. And it's funny. We cannot, we, we, we love the show. We love you. We can't put this on because we can't afford to look friendly to the right. And that's when I'm like, uh-oh, the problem is a lot worse. Than you thought. Than I ever thought. Because that's thought. America today in a nutshell. Yes. A hundred percent. And that's part of, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing with uh, with with Hollywood. And it's it's kind of like... Uh, propaganda? It, it is. They're not, they're not, they don't wake up and go, how can I make this propaganda? But they can, they'll take every project and go how could i get I, I it'd be nice if we could just put a little message in there they, they always think it would be nice and that would kind of and there it's it's accidental propaganda but it works and like look at star wars oh it's, like you about the new star wars yeah. oh i can't yeah. even watch it and then they're like i can't even watch it whoop. they sacrifice story they sacrifice plot and they just whoop. you know they got to get that politics in there and then it was really disheartening where 
it doesn't matter about money. The money that they would make off a TV show, they don't want something on the right being popular. They just don't want it to exist. They don't want it to exist because that that pops the naive box. Makes me want to throw up listening to this, to be honest with you, because so many people that are living in America are so naive that they don't even realize that something like this is actually happening behind the scenes. Right. And here we are, a show, and, 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 and being dead honest, it's a genius idea. There's nothing, and now now you know why there's no show right. like and it then, and then out the, there. And then the great mythology is, what they say is, well, nobody's funny on the right. There's no, there are no funny conservatives. There's no funny, and I can guarantee there are. You buy tickets to their movies. 75 million people. Yes. However, the naive box is built on, uh, there's no one funny on the right, and the right has been villainized to such an extent. They don't want a human. They want villains on the left because then you don't have to have a conversation. You don't have to discuss differences. You're just like, that guy voted for Trump. That guy's a white supremacist. That guy's a Nazi. Somebody beat him up. And that's where we are now. How do we get out of that? How do you, Michael Loftus, all of a sudden he becomes, the whole Republican Party says, we're gonna have Michael Loftus write for us to get us out of this. How does America, how do we get out of this? How does the Republican Party do something that they would be able to have a show on network TV or for 75 million people? It's never gonna happen on network TV. You're gonna have to build your own. You're gonna have to build your own. It's what everybody's discovering now. And it's like, first of all, and this is like I made the decision, first of all, it has to exist. Somebody has to try to do it. Right, so it's like I'm out there, I'm telling jokes, and I'm making fun of Democrats, and I'm making fun of hypocrites, and blah 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 blah. And I have my website, theloftestparty.com, where it's like you know nerd culture video, stuff that I like anyway. I like I like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, yeah, video yeah, games, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a little bit there's politics there as well. So it just has to exist and and thrive, and like people aren't going to want it to thrive. I, I know I get dialed down by Facebook. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Yeah, dialed down with the social media. But, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. Like, I don't watch Jimmy Fallon. I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel because of all this woke stuff. Right. Right? So they're tuning off half of America anyway. Right. In my opinion. I mean, yes. I don't know for any other Republican, but I don't find any any joy in watching Jimmy Kimmel side with the left and do stupid stuff like that. I can't say it. I used to love, love Howard's turn. Yeah. I couldn't wait. I would shave in the morning, get ready for work. I got my little transistor radio. I'm listening to him on K-Rock, and I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I can't listen to him anymore. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. He's off. So there is a huge void in people like myself and people's life to have that conservative show come on and entertain me and yes. make me want to laugh. Yes. You know, it's, and you, I, I saw your YouTube, The Loftus Party, <laughs> uh, right? Can I yeah. play, I want to play a clip, yeah, is that okay? Yeah, do can, it. Can we play, there's two clips that I want to play. Um, one is, uh, I guess it's Joe Sleepy Biden Blues. Oh, the Sleepy Joe Biden Blues. Yeah, I got to tell you, genius. Genius. <laughs> a genius, I love it. I, I I actually love it. And again, people could go to YouTube channel, right? The, uh, the Loftus Party. They must. Party. Yes, the, subscribe yeah. to your channel because it's hilarious and I love it. You got that coming up? All right. He's go. got it coming. So something like this needs to exist. And eventually, hopefully, it will break through and there will be some kind of critical mass. And uh, here we go. Look at that handsome man. <laughs> There's a guitar. I love there it. There it is.
That's the little Yamaha. Hey everybody, it's Michael from theloftestparty.com. Like most of you guys, I woke up with the same thought I always have. Why aren't there more blue songs about modern politics? <laughs> so I wrote one, and it's been making me laugh all afternoon. It's super goofy, and I hope you like it half as much as I do. This is the uh, Joe Biden sleeping in the basement blues. Start. I got the Joey Biden sleeping in the basement blue. That's what I got. I got that. Joey Biden sleeping in the basement blue. They say I'm running for president. I just feel confused. All right, hold on. Pause it just real quick. Pause it real quick. That's it. That's all we got for that part, dude. But here's here's that's genius. Oh, it's 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 that's okay. what she. No, but I'm saying though. Okay. I want to talk. So I was in a band, right? And my buddy taught me bar chords, like, and that's all I knew. Like, I knew A, D, E. Those are like minors. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> it's like an, an E minor. Like I can play an E minor. I'm playing an E minor. I have to tell you. So I watched it and I saw it. I said this. Motherfucker, can play the guitar. He's funny. He's Republican. He's got it. He's got this. And then it, and I had to calm myself down again because I'm like, no, no, stop, stop. You're you, and you have your lane. Stop trying to get into this. Yeah, do yeah, say him. But I'm saying, but I saw you. I'm like, and he plays the guitar. And son, but now you're telling me it's all minors, and that's the end of it. Because I tried playing. No, I tried I'm, teaching I'm so, my I'm guitar. I'm so happy with oh, myself. I got. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the app that you need to buy. But like, dude. There is, uh, and I told myself during quarantine, I'm like, I need to add different. <laughs> quarantine, during, I can't believe you have to say it. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some flavors to the stand-up. I've always wanted to play guitar. I was very, very fortunate. I was writing on a TV show for Kevin James. He's buddies with Adam Sandler. We did an episode where they had a band in you know, high school, and now that they were retired cops, they're going to get the band back together. It's like, it's, you've, it's been done a lot. Uh, but we're going to do it with Sandler, you know? And so, uh, how does that f- tell me about that? Sandler. So much fun! So much fun! I mean, you wake up in the morning and you're gonna go for the first time. You're gonna go on set or whatever you're gonna do. And there's James and there's Sandler and there's Michael Loftus. I mean, tell oh, tell people like Joe Cozo how that feels. It's amazing. <laughs> I can just imagine. And like seriously, Kevin James couldn't be a funnier, nicer, sweeter dude. Sandler yes. couldn't be a funnier, nicer, sweeter dude. And I hadn't. Back in this, whatever. The idea of sitting in Kevin James' office, and like, and Sandler's there, and I'm like, oh, we think that might be funny, like this lyric, that lyric, and you're like, it would go for, and it was just a great, a wonderful experience. Just just a great, wonderful experience. And then, of course, as, as you learn, as you get older and learn, like, I'm like, wow, Sandler, he can bring it. You know, he can get out there and tell jokes. But then he picks up the guitar. And forget it. And it's some next level shit. Yeah, but and that's like, what you're, you got that's that what too. I need, that's what I'm going to do now. No, but you so have now that. it's just a matter. Oh, dude, I'm putting together a tour uh, that's going to kick off in August. And I, I got an electric guitar with me. And yup, there will be, and I just want that next click, click. I like, love it. I want to oh. play another clip though from the Loftus Party Show. Yes. Can you play that one, Eric? With the because it and it's quick, because it's one of those laughing like you know you just laugh out loud like real quick when you did it. It's the um, what is it? Is it Joe Biden again? It's Joe Biden again, but I forgot what I called it. 
A lot of them are titled about. What'd you say? You got it? Yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it. Because it's quick. You get those those weird stories that just make you nervous. Like uh, out of nowhere, Corn Pop was a bad dude, and you're just terrified. Like, is he okay? Is somebody watching him? And occasionally you'll get the total meltdown, and it just turns into showing international suffer depression. <laughs> <laughs> did that great it was perfect you how ever, you did that did you, ever, did you see the song i did about that no i didn't see i didn't right. see it. look for this one there should be a, there's a song called there should be a word <laughs> but that got me i'm sitting there at my <laughs> i'm getting my dining room table and i'm just watching it all of a sudden i was like oh my god and that's real life it's that's real, real life. life he was giving a speech <laughs> but that's what i'm saying it could it would it's 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 not that it could it's a lock that it would work but these they don't want it to exist. They, they don't, don't want, want to, to but here's the thing. Mike, you got ABC News. They're Disney. Mm-hmm. You have NBC News, right? They're Comcast. None of them. And here's the other thing. They're all in bed with China. Yeah. Every single one of them. So they don't... You know what? The backlash that we may take by playing this Republican stuff is not good because we love the money that's coming from overseas. Right. And you... And we don't you, want to hurt anyone's need, feelings. The you LGBTQ need, you need the conflict. You and you can't. They can't afford to look friendly to the right because they, everything on the left and their quest for power and more and bigger government and all this other stuff. It's built on not having a conversation. And it's. I remember. I it. I saw this coming when Trump was running in 2015 when they were just beating people up for wearing "Make America Great Again" hats. When you saw Donald Trump. In 2015, and you had, you know, you had Governor, you had Governor Christie, you had Jeb Bush, yeah, you had um, Rand Paul, and then there you had Donald a... Trump. What, what was your, you know, because you wanted, we, we needed to win. We had Obama for eight years, right? Right. Who was your guy in 2015? Out I, the box. I thought John Kasich was going to be the guy. And meanwhile, he's the one, the biggest turncoat of them all. He's a turncoat. Dude. Just go to the Democratic Party and stay there. We don't want. We don't need you here. And may, he did some of the douchiest stuff ever. He so they got these mailing lists, you know, the Republican. So you email, ask for donations. So the Trump's going to be the nominee, and they want Kasich to come out and go. Yes, Donald Trump and da da da. Kasich goes, I'll do it, I'll do it, but you got to give me the mailing list. The big one, the big one for donations, and the Republicans go, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you the the mailing list, but you gotta come out and endorse Trump. Absolutely, absolutely, just give me the list. They gave him the list, and he's go, ding dong. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that story. Just a, mm, oh, just that's a, a scumbag. Douchey. Yeah. So then, so you wanted him. So, but then, you know, what was your opinion of Donald Trump though he in the just, beginning? He was just too brash, just too brash. I'm like, ah, just too. There's just too much brashness there, and it, rough, yeah, rough, real rough, and and, at, and and at you, right? Yes, yes, yes. And then it very quickly, I'm like, oh, thank goodness he's so brash. But what? Thank what? Good- what was the turning point for you, if you could recall? You know, what? You know, maybe you don't recall, but maybe he it was. Call, I think he called Jeb Bush out. It was the the, the big debate. Yes, they were all up there, and somebody said something, and he's like, please, ba 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 ba, and it was just like. You're lying. I mean, just the way he was calling these guys out completely. (laughs) We are not pretending anymore. And it was the best. And it was one of those things like 
pitching the show, thinking it's going to be successful, and then you find out the horrible truth. The horrible truth. You're never going to be on TV. We're never going to do this because it's too... Okay, so that's the truth. And when, when Trump came out there and started saying what he was saying in the manner that he was saying it, and then you saw all these guys just melting down, like the, it, the jig is up, the game is over. And then hope, you started getting hope, like, wow, this guy could do it. I, none of this is that hard. None of it. What do you mean by that, by not hard? Governing this nation. Okay, I understand. It governs itself. Yes. People, and this happens a lot in Hollywood, they create the illusion of work. They they create the illusion of, oh, it's a big problem. We're going to have to have a lot of meetings on this, and we should probably have the meetings (laughs) in Puerto Rico, so we should probably get a hotel room. You need your own show on TV, man. Oh, my gosh. And then it just becomes this thing. And then when they're like, well, your group had the meetings. You went to Puerto Rico. You had all the experts. You met for a month and a half. All expenses paid, but the results are crap. You know why? We didn't have all the resources we need. If you could double our budget next year, I guarantee, and then then the, the Democrats will be like, we're going to double your budget. And then they go down. Well, this time we bought the whole hotel. And yes, we, and so you get these little incremental, it gets a little bit better. And it's just this whore, it's like a tick. It's like a tick <laughs> that you can't get it yeah. off your body. You yes. can't get it off. And then we're just being covered in these ticks. And now this is another huge secret. Like the government, the federal government is like the, I think the second largest employer in, in, in America. It's oh, of course. Yeah. this, like they can control. Stimulus checks and WIC checks and, you know, unemployment section eight housing checks and whoa, don't worry it's about it. Horrible. We have you. And then the best part about it is these people, they don't want to go to work because if they know if they make a certain mo- amount of money, which would probably only $100 more a week, now they got to get, get up. And go to work. Yeah. So why make that extra hundred when I could just stay home and I don't get past that threshold of unemployment? Yes. I'll just stay home for the unless of a hundred. Yes. And I can do whatever I want. I don't have to do anything. I get up. I watch my soap operas. I watch Prices Right. I smoke a little weed. Or I work I'll, on my side hustle. Yes. People are greedy. Yes. That's what I love about capitalism. Yes. Capital, like, listen. Some somebody will invent something craziness off of this. I guarantee you somebody's not showing up at their crap job because yeah, they're making the unemployment and they can work on their app or they can like not everybody's doing that, but a few people. Oh, are. they could go and sell right? weed. Yes. Or whatever it is that yeah. they're doing. And that's what I love about capitalism, man, because it embraces greed. People are greedy. If and if you put if you introduce greed into socialism or communism, you're gonna get suffering. You're gonna like, cause that greedy dude is gonna steal from those people who really need it. They're gonna starve to death. Something horrible's gonna, right? You have greed in capitalism. Everybody thrives. Yes. Everybody thrives. Everybody's thrive. You're 100% right. All you need is some some cops to make sure they're not dumping chemicals into the river and polluting the air and like, and not, not killing everything. That's all you need, cause it will go there. You, cause greedy, it'll, it'll happen. You, you talked about, before we came on the air too, we were talking about the Wuhan lab and you were like, oh man, I want I wanted an investigation on this. I'm yeah. dying for this investigation. What's your whole theory on the whole COVID thing? Uh, let's just let's just let it rip. Here goes here goes my there was a, a president once upon a time, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who said, Nothing happens by accident in politics. If it happens in politics, it was planned that way. It's a good line. Oh, he knew what was up. 
he, he knew how the game was played. He was a political animal, and so was his boy, Harry Truman. Harry Truman was on, he knew how all this stuff. Nothing ha there are no accidents. Now, if you look back, at, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just say it out loud, we're all thinking it. So the economy's kicking butt. Oh, it's thriving. The economy's kicking butt. North Korea really isn't a threat. There's peace in the Middle East. Uh, black small businesses, African-American small businesses, entrepreneurship is up like 300, 400 Unemployment is down lower in the black community than it's right. ever been. Hispanic community's killing it. Their, their small businesses are taking off. And then so, Trump has a plan. Is like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to these opportunity zones. We're going to turn these poor neighborhoods into the into platinum plan the platinum yes, plan yes when we're i'm gonna put my money where my mouth we're gonna do space force we're gonna compete with china we're like we're going to mars we were hitting on every cylinder the only thing the only thing that could have messed him up is if the economy went off the rails and how and and, 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 and look at that isn't it a miracle isn't it, what are the odds of that happening? What are the odds of like, wow, in the months leading up to the election, we're gonna have to shut down the economy. And that would drive me crazy when uh, when Biden or the Democrats with all oh, these economic numbers, and I'm like, they, they instantly tried to spin it. And that's when, my, that's when the bells and whistles were going off for me. Cause they were instantly not trying to accept the reality. Okay, we, there's a virus out. They told like Fauci's like, eight million people are gonna die. <laughs> Remember those days? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. at least eight million least, people. Yeah, 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 Can you yeah. blame anybody for shutting this shit down when you think eight million people oh, are gonna die? Oh, you saw the, the videos in China, they're banging on doors, they're bringing people out, they're shooting them basically on the street. So, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, it was so, crazy town. So now you have a virus that you have to shut down the economy. And you know what? We're gonna have to do elections different. We're probably gonna have to do mail-in ballots. Can't have people. Isn't that odd? Isn't that weird that that all happened when everything everything was going so well? Whoa, huh? Boy, if there was a Wuhan virus, dude, I you'll you'll probably you'll probably never be able to prove it. Never. But uh, well, because you're gonna close the doors little... over there, and you got, and you have the dem, and right now they're all in power. Yeah. Right. So you're never gonna get them to do an investigation now. So the first time you're gonna <laughs> get a real investigation is not until another three years, if, if we win back. There'll never be an, an investigation. Never. There'll never be an investigation. There you go. And the swamp is so deep, and the problem. Every time I think, okay, I got my brain wrapped around it. I know how bad the problem is. And you look at like, where's the Durham investigation? Remember when Durham was looking into the Pfizer yeah, in Connecticut, news? yeah. Where? What happened to the whole report? Guess what he announced in March of this year. What'd he say? I'm ready to begin the interview process. And then what happened with that? Tell he's me. He's slow playing it. Oh, he's slow. Oh, but he's been slow rolling it for, for the whole entire time. Because you keep saying, you know, and even Donald Trump said, we're waiting for the Durham report. We're waiting for the Durham report. But now, I don't even know if he's slow rolling the it. The cocksucker, the cocksucker said he's ready to begin the interview process. What? 
Like, you have the Democrats, and they're like, uh-oh, uh, oh, who's that dude that looks like the penguin? Uh, oh, uh, Jerry Nadler. <laughs> no, no, no. He does, he does. He does. That's a guy. He, that, looks, that the he looks like the penguin from the movies. Who's the guy who was on Trump's side? The guy who has the tattoo of Nixon on his back. I don't know who uh, that is. Oh, he's a Florida dude. They raided his house. Oh, 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 um... Oh, uh, it's the, the Sloan, Jerry, um, that's, oh. um, Roger Stone. Roger Stone. Roger Stone. Roger Stone. So they get the invest, they, they, uh-oh, Roger Stone might be do, dirty. Within months, they got frogmen in the canal, they got helicopters, hut, 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 hut. CNN's there. They did it in months. I know. And then like, when it's, when's, oh, that's our, uh-oh, the, the Durham report. Well, we've had the information for two years. We now proudly announce we are ready. The FBI's had Hunter Biden's laptop since 2018. I'm since 2018. You know what they announced in December of last year? December 20th, they announced it. We are ready to begin the interview process. Here is, I interviewed this woman on the flip side. Her name is Cheryl Atkinson. She used to work for CBS News. She was a, a journalist there. And then she started looking into people. A lot of journalists were covering for Obama. And she's like, well, we don't do that. We don't cover for people. There was a, a thing that happened down in the Gulf with an oil spill. And the the journalists like, well, we don't want Obama to look bad. Don't report that. Ugh. And she did it anyway. And CBS is like, boom, you're gone. The, the FBI, Obama's FBI investigated her. They tapped her phones. They tapped her laptops. Are you at, Are you kidding me? I'm completely telling you the truth. She wrote a book about it. Oh, Cheryl, like, so I read her book and it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And there's a recipe that they follow for this. So there's been a horrible crime. Some Democrat is confused with some, uh, accused of some horrible crime. And they go, you know what? Uh, we got to find out the truth is the most important thing. The truth is the most important. So they, they, they do that all the time. Then they, they hope it goes away and then it doesn't go away. And you're like, that, that, that guy's been accused of a horrible. Oh yes. Now we're going to start an investigation. We're proud to announce. So now weeks have gone by, but they announced the investigation. And then they slow, and they slow. It's like they give you a little piece of, a little cookie, a little bite, a little yes, something, a little just appetizer. Keep, keep you busy, keep you busy, keep yes. you busy. They they keep it going for as long as they possibly can, and then they and then you go, hey, whatever happened with that thing? And they're like, wow, are you still talking about that? Yeah, come on, it's over. It's that's ancient history. Yes, that's exactly what's. And up. then when you refuse to let it go, and you're like a dog with a bone, they're like, wow, it's a conspiracy theory. That's kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird that you're still, t you know, a thing just happened. Are you we, racist? We just landed a, a rover on Mars. That's yes. what all the real journalists, but you're you're talking about what, 2016? It's almost. Do you talk about it a lot? Is that on your little podcast, Conspiracy Theory Guy? It's synonymous to what happened with the whole mask thing that just now happened. We take our masks, you're allowed to take your mask off. The economy's in the gutter, right? The border, there's a crisis at the border. And it's almost as if they said, Let's announce the CDC that we're going to now relax the whole mask mandate and the social distancing to change the narrative. They mm -hmm. changed it like that. It was very wild how uh, Senator Rand Paul is talking to Fauci and go, so you didn't have any money? You didn't have any money in this gain of function research in the Wuhan lab? And Fauci's like, no, we didn't. Okay. Okay. They know he did. They have the receipts. They have the receipts. They know the dude was sending the money to the Wuhan for gain of function. So that now it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time, though. But and like the next day, like, hey, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. We're changing the mandate. Okay, you, yeah. we're, yes. we're officially declaring it over. It's yeah, unbelievable. It's but the thing that the Republicans are different <clears throat> from the Democrats, and it's basically what you just said, is Democrats will put people in jail. They will perp walk yes. people.
Yeah. They will go and raid people's houses and tell CNN to be there before we set up shop. We're going to be there in 20 minutes. Republicans, the, they don't do that. There is a, there's something going on and we got a clean house and it's going to be it's ugly. Good. The FBI has to be cleaned and out. It's going to be ugly, but here's something I'll tell you, like, like uh, illegal immigration is a great one, is a great one. Schwarzenegger gets elected governor of California, and the first one of the first things Arnold does is like, we've got to shut down the border, the illegal, we've got to get stop it, we got to stop it. Right? Arnold was a good Republican once upon oh, a time. Yeah, it was good. It's real and good. So That's a good one. They, they, yes, more people on the border. You know, we love our friends in Mexico, but you must stay. You must stay. You can't come now. And it was some conservatives in California was like, no, you got to let. You got to keep it. You got to keep it. And no. that was a big eye opener. That was a big eye opener. And like, listen, they've been talking about this. And this is something that that, that, that needs to be said. I said it the other night at Joe the Box thing, the, 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 the America First Warehouse. Trump didn't hypnotize the nation. Trump didn't come out and start saying magic words and everybody on the right was like, he is our leader. Do what he says. We've been pissed off about this stuff for decades decades yes and finally someone came came around who's like i'm gonna do what you guys want to do and i'm gonna get it done and i'm like hooray finally like they tripped they tricked reagan they're like oh we're gonna build a wall we're gonna build a a, a border fence we're gonna really once and for all in 1980 whatever we're gonna tackle illegal immigration and reagan was like whoo thank you and then he was out of the white house and it never happened it ne that's why you got Chuck Schumer on tape talking about illegal. You got every Democrat talking about oh, illegal. Oh, flip-flopping all day long with it, too. You they, you look back on the tapes and you hear them say certain things like with the filibuster. They hate they they didn't want so, they, they used the filibuster all the time. If Republicans really wanted to get it done, they would have got it done. Exactly. Ta-da. So, those motherfuckers are the ones that got to go bye-bye. That's the cleaning house that you're talking yep. about. Yeah, people you're like, right. People like uh, Liz Cheney People like Liz Cheney. Mitt Romney. Yup. Yes. And, it's, and they go, this is the party of Trump. No, dick. It's the party, party of, of America. America. Yes. America first. And they keep wanting to spit it like, oh, you're this. No, I'm America first. I'm America first. And right now, it's like we're the kings of, it's like medieval times. And Trump is our knight in shining armor. And we're like, go do our bidding, Trump. <laughs> and he goes and he's fuck, fuck, fuck. And he messes them all up. But if something happens to Trump. I'm like, bring on Trump Jr. Bring, like, there'll be another night. Yes. But that's who we need. Someone who goes in and fights and calls bullshit when he sees it, and he needs people on the right to back him up. And not these, like, uh, like I've, I, there's some really dubious stuff going on in like the what? right. Like what? The, the, like, what's up with uh, Lindsey Graham? You See, know, like, Lindsey like, Graham, like Lindsey, I think you could get him over the edge, but he talks a lot of smack. He talks a lot of smack, and he he's wishwashy. He talks on both sides of the mouth. Nobody goes to jail, right? Nobody. Do you remember the Kavanaugh hearings? Yeah, I, he so, did a great job. He that that was where Lindsey Graham though came out, right? That was his opening because he started yelling and screaming. What you're doing here to this man is a disgrace. And I'll help. God help you if you ever do get power. Yeah, that's it. Because I don't want to be around. I don't, I'm like, yeah. okay, Lindsay, go get him. And they're like, these women are liars. And if you come and you've sworn, they, they signed sworn affidavits under penalty of perjury, and they were lying. They need to go to jail. And then, and then. No one's even investigated. No one. No one has even knocked on their doors going, hey, bitch, you can't do that. 
You can't lie. Yeah, that's not how it works. You Those can't ruin someone like that. Bitch, gotta go to jail. <laughs> okay, seriously. Yes. And then you have Lindsey Graham on January 7th, or at night, I think it was maybe the 6th, with the so-called, you know, insurrection. I'm done. I'm done. You're, you do the, the, I'm done with Trump. I'm, that's it. It's over. I don't want anything to do with Donald Trump He's anymore. He's gone too far. He's gone right, too baby. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. And what? We can't have that, though. That's not what the Democrats do. They stick. They stick together. Messaging, messaging, yes. messaging. There's nothing that happens like that. You don't see the party breaking up and folding before your eyes. Remember when they all didn't go to Trump's inauguration? Yes. They just didn't go. Well, hi, what are you... T I'll tell you this, though. If, first of all, who's the guy that you want running with Trump? On the ticket. With, with Trump? Yeah, on oh, 2024. If, if, say, 2024 comes around, I'd probably go DeSantis right 100%. now. 100%. He's the front runner right but now. But I think people, Republicans now, you're seeing that they know, hey, this is... Trump's party right now and what you did in 2016 it's not going to jive in 2024 because they now know there's 75 million plus that are dying for Donald Trump to come back into the office so I think the Republican Party is changing and that's why you saw Liz Cheney get ousted right away and saying I'm sure Donald Trump sitting in Mar-a-Lago and said hey listen I want her out of here right now we can't have this and people are starting to say you're yeah. right yeah. you're right we yeah. got to get her out of here the masks are off. The masks are off everywhere. And I have I have the Loftus Party podcast that I've been saying this for years. It's one of the other great, like, one of the great side effects of Trump. You always thought the media was biased. Now you know for sure. Yes. The mask is off. Yeah, behind the, the mask curtain. Is, you can't even pretend. Before, I remember people looking at me weird when I'd be like, yeah, man, the media, it's, that's, that's all liberal. They're very... What? It's CNN is news, my friend. And then, yeah. boom, Trump, boom, the mask is off. And then you think, well, even on the even on my own party, I think there's some people in there who just talk the talk, but they don't really walk the walk. And now it's like, boom, the mask is off. And like John McCain did some horrible stuff. Before, before like to his own, oh, and he was terrible too. He had to go <laughs> right. And then you have his daughter bashing. He Trump. was a war hero, Joe. He was a war hero. <laughs> did you yes, he's a war hero. Did he was also a dick for what he did to the Tea Party. Did you love when you know? And, and, and when Trump said, yeah, "Yeah, he's a hero," but he got caught. You know, <laughs> uh, heroes nah, don't get caught. And then you're like. Yes! I like the guys yeah. that don't get caught. Yeah, I like the guys that don't get caught. Both his arms were broken, Joe. <laughs> he was paralyzed from the forehead up. Yeah. Before before I let you go here, tell me, just so people that are watching, how bad is Hollywood with Woke America and, and, and how it is? Because you see people leaving in droves. Is it really, or is it something that, you know, eh, you'd rather not discuss? And that's there's, fine. There's shows... I'm it's talking weird. about Hollywood, not that just the shows. I'm just talking about it in general. You have ABC and you know the networks. You have Globe, Golden Globes. They canceled themselves so they could refresh, reboot themselves, and be more woke than they were already woke, which is to me is unbelievable. We live in exciting times. We live in this is the golden age of television. There's never been better TV on like Netflix, Amazon streaming services, H, all of it, all of it. Hollywood has lost their way. They've, they've, they've forgotten 
their their purpose. They've 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 lost sight. It's like and what would that purpose be? Entertainment. Yes, that's it. Period. Yes, just like an NBA player, just play yeah. basketball. Yes, right. Yeah, just like a football player, just play. I don't need Black Lives Matter now, across the thing. Now, what happens is it's 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 inevitable. It's inevitable that like so if everybody's going for pure entertainment, if everybody's just doing pure entertainment. Some movie's gonna come out that's smart and edgy and political, and then that's gonna win all the awards, you know? And so, oh, we need to do more stuff like that. The pendulum, I keep waiting for the pendulum to start swinging back. Conservatives kind of get in their own way uh, quite a bit, you know, because there was a huge renaissance that Mel Gibson started with his uh, his the Passion of the Christ, Passion of Christ, yes, and then you've got all these religious films. That, okay, that's a great start. That's a great start. But now just keep them coming, keep them coming. And uh, Ben Shapiro and Jer- Daily Wire and Jeremy Boring down yep. down there at the Daily Wire. They're doing a great thing, I think. They picked up a movie that was just a movie. Had a nice little message. Are you talking about that there? one? The school yeah. shooting. It was great. Yeah, Die Hard in High School. With yes. A girl? Yeah. 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 It was great. That's what you want. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yeah, that makes me jealous. Yeah, that and, makes me jealous too. Right? That's good stuff. Yes. So let's keep let's keep that going. But we'll never exist and you know, Netflix is never gonna like that. You can have the Obama channel, but you're not gonna have see, isn't that funny? How like Obama can do all this programming, but we can't afford to look friendly to the right. So they're gonna keep trying to make it, they wanna isolate conservative voices. They wanna make sh- people doubt themselves. And you make somebody doubt themselves by keeping them alone. You don't have conversations, you don't talk to people, you don't see it in your daily life. That was another very uh, interesting thing. You know, you could fly, remember when they closed the bars and the restaurants? Can't go because of COVID, because of COVID. No, they don't want people talking. They don't want people talking. It's a good point, didn't think of it like that. They can see what you're talking about on Facebook. Yes. And they can just do, do, do. Like, Good dude, point. You don't really know. We see the conversation. We could censor the conversation. We could limit the conversation. And then, yes. when, uh, yeah, it's, you're 100% right. I never but thought of it like people that. People doing this and then talking. And they want like, I go on the road and I would go out with some conservative buddies of mine and we would do stand up. And I'm like, let's talk after the show. Everybody do like a big meet and greet. And I'm like, this is awesome. Not because I'm making a couple bucks on a ticket. No, because a bunch of people on the right who like to have fun. We work hard. We play hard. We love our fellow man. We are, I think, the best of the best in terms of humanity. And you said it at one time, too. I saw one of your quotes that you said is, the middle class is where the funny is. Yeah. Like the hard working, the underdog, you said. Yeah. Right? Uh, That's what you said. I, I read one of your quotes and I said, and it resonated. I said, That's. He's 100% right. Yeah. That's right there is 100% true. And we are the fly in the ointment. If you're on the left and you have a great big plan for world domination, you have a way to make government bigger, and you have a way that, oh, and this, that, and this, the fly in the ointment is the, the conservative. I have a couple, just before. And the one that you can't dismiss, that's funny. Like, they can dismiss talk radio. Oh, that guy's just, a, just he's just doing that for talk radio. But like going out and oh my God, I laughed my ass off and that dude was funny and they are ridiculous. When you start to point out how ridiculous the other side is, that's a threat. Yes, that's 100% right. Couple of questions I wanna ask you. Who's the best actor of all time in your opinion? Best actor of all Leia, time? you watch movies? Are you a big movie uh, guy? It's tough. I, I, I like movies and I have very, very- Well, who's your favorite actor? 
my favorite actor it's hard to say because like i have favorite movie stars like peter o'toole was a great movie star gene hackman was gene hackman actor. in hoosiers was the best oh hackman in anything yes the yes gene hackman like, in superman best lex Luger. bobby duvall yes bobby duvall and uh too. tommy lee jones tommy lee jones tommy lee jones hell of an actor right there <laughs> man Lonesome Dove. Look at you. How oh, you do these things uh, like Murph, this. Tommy Lee Jones. Like I'll tell this. you what. I'm going to go down there. Uh, oh, No Country for Old Men. That was a great movie. I remember one time uh, Duvall had done a movie with Tom Cruise, the race car movie. And somebody was talking about Tom Cruise, you know, and how, you know, he wasn't a good actor. And Robert Rolling Duvall, Thunder, whatever that movie yeah. was. Yeah, and yeah. Duvall's like, Tommy Cruise is a hell of an actor. He's a better actor than you ever <laughs> like, you anyway. did a great job. You right. did a great I'll tell you what. Yeah, 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 you did a great job. But like, too. for Dustin Hoffman, he wins an award for Rain Man. Really, mm. Rain Man? C can't we? Can't we all do Rain Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. You're like you're shaking your head. Right <laughs> out of it. But, is that acting? Yeah. Now you want to play a guy who is a, a plumber whose wife is about to leave him. You know, and is like. That there's something that's what Duvall does. Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, Tom Cruise used to try to do it, like try like Jerry Maguire. He did it like that was a real person. Jerry Maguire was a real person. Yeah. So uh, th that to me is much better acting. What's your favorite cereal? You go to cereal. When oh, you I have a proprietary blend. Here's what I do, <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. And I've done experiments, and I can back this up. Two thirds of a bowl raisin bran crunch. Okay. Raisin Bran Crunch. Raisin Bran Crunch has got it all. Then you're going to top that off with some apple cinnamon Cheerios with a little bit of sweetness. And then, my friend, some sliced banana. <laughs> oh, chef's kiss. That is the I best cereal. It. Mike, I love that you came on. I love everything that you're doing. Tell people... If they, you know, well, first of all, what do you have? You have anything coming up? I know you're on Greg Gutfield and you're doing a great job with that. How do they watch that? Is that a, is that a recurring... Um, nah, they just call. They know I'm in. The, they know I'm in the neighborhood. There's no like, okay, so every other Thursday, come down here. But no, that's just well. Like, that means we have to go back to that whole MySpace thing that you're using social media. How do people follow you on social media so they the would Loftus know that this party? That's what you need. The Loftus Party. The theloftusparty.com. It's the Loftus Party on Facebook. It's the Loftus Party on Twitter. It's the loft. It's the Loftus Party. That's what you need. YouTube. And I see you doing da daily things on YouTube. I love it. I love what you're doing. I do. I do videos on Mondays and Fridays. Okay. Mondays and Fridays. So that's when you have to people and then to watch something out for. very odd just happened. My subscriber count keeps going up, but huh, the views were going down and now. So I'm like, I I think there's someone over there who's just like, mm. not that guy. That's mm. that guy's on my. You, you're on their radar. So then I started doing uh, videos out of nowhere, just random. Uh, here comes a random Wednesday. And I keep getting, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, God bless you. But I keep getting these these comments where people are like, how do you not have a million subscribers? I saw that. I can't believe this. I saw this. that. I was reading how, the like, comments. This that's is what insane. Get, that's the, that's the, the, the meat and potatoes yeah. is and the I'm comments. Like, and I'm like, well, thank you so much. And yeah. I, can't, I can't believe it either. But like, I know that they have their little rules. There's little things that you don't say. There's things you don't talk about. You don't about. talk about so vaccines don't right, work. You're not right. going to say so that. I'll, I'll say that for the comedy clubs. So this is going to be the YouTube channel. I want it to be monetized, and I want people to be able to share it. I don't want them to be able to cancel it for any reason. And that's how I operate on Facebook, too. You're like, man, this guy doesn't do any jokes about masks. Nope. Because they're going to go, that's, that's you know misleading news, and that's fake news. And that's and like, it's comedy. We don't care. Take it off. <laughs> 
So I'm playing it. I'm shucking and jiving. I'm playing it real safe. Well, listen, I, I just want to spread the message. I just want to tell you, man, what you're doing, what you have, I love it. Thank and you, I, brother. And, I, and I'm really, I, I'm really appreciative for you to come out here, and I and I welcome you anytime, man. Yeah, I forget it. This to me right Let's here. Let's do it. This was this was total free this entertainment setup, for me. The 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 funky funk barn. You like the barn? I like the barn. Sixteen eighty wood. I told you. This sixteen eighty. Yeah. Not bad. Sixteen eighty. I'm part of the sixteen eighty project. <laughs> Real quick, sixteen nineteen project. Did you read it? No, I didn't. Are you going to read it? No. I sit there and think to what myself. What a waste of time. I know, but I want to know what the, but I can't do it because I don't want to get, I don't want to even, I don't even want to pay. I don't even want to give them it, a read. Let's do this. Okay. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, it's all true. It's all true. The 1619 Project, America's like, finally, a land of slavery. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> okay. So what are we going to do today? Right. Like, show me where the racism is today. Show me where the person said, you cannot come in here and work because of the color of your skin. You show me that today, I will march with you. I will help fight that racism wherever it is. Yes. But if you're going to go chasing ghosts in 1619, they came over. <laughs> oh, racism, racism. Okay. What are we going to do today? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, listen, we're going to wrap it up here. Another show on the Joe Cozo Show. Michael, I appreciate it. You should do long episodes. I should. <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, this is Crazy Robin. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show.